Hey everyone! Today's date is number is number <laughs> December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Uh, this is episode one hundred and eighteen of the Classic Gaming Podcast. We're off to a fantastic start here. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jay Tataru. Hello. You would think after one hundred eighteen episodes, the intro would be. <laughs> you would think. On point. If, but if I you were an amateur, if you were an amateur Classic Gaming Podcast listener, you might think that. True. Uh, so rumor has it that Jay has made a substantial purchase uh, yeah. in the realm of video games. Yeah, in order to cope with uh, extensive amount of work, <laughs> I decided to invest in into getting a Nintendo Switch last weekend. And fuck yeah! Yeah, first of all, fuck yeah. But second of all, it's the first time I've purchased a system since the PlayStation 2, I think. Maybe a handheld between then and now, but... Yeah, this is the first big purchase console I've purchased in forever. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, I've watched every iteration of Xbox and PlayStation go by since then. It's like, yeah, I think I'll get it. And then I'm like, ah, do I really want it? And then I look at the titles and I'm like, nah, I'm good. And then this one, it was like, I looked at the titles that are coming with it. I saw the reviews on certain <laughs> games. They're making new Smash Brothers games. Then I looked at the 2019 lineup and I'm like, okay. And there's a good chance we're going to get a Super Mario RPG. So I'm like, okay, like, just take my money. It's... It's all good. <laughs> so you got uh, what Super Smash Brothers and and Mario, right? Yeah, so far I have that. I have uh, Super Smash Brothers and Odyssey, which both are exceptionally fun. Uh, Smash Brothers is just Smash Brothers. I could play it all day. Uh, I've probably I've had the game since Sunday, and I've I've probably spent like twenty or thirty hours just playing <laughs> Smash just doing Brothers. Shit. Yeah, it's just so fun, and like the, the AI is actually pretty good too. So oh, like, really? I, I'm not playing online. Yeah, they'll edge guard you and stuff. Like they do some really crazy What's shit. That? And, uh, you know, like when you fall off the edge and you're going to, you're trying to grab onto the edge to climb back up. Well, they'll like mm-hmm. purposely jump off the edge and knock you down, or like grab onto the ledge so you can't grab it and stuff. Like, oh, they will, I didn't know about yeah. that. That's they're, they're yeah. Like, oh. oh, that's what people do in tournaments. Yeah, that's what people do in tournaments. So it's like they were trying to mimic that that kind of design, but it's so cool. crazy, man. But uh, um, yeah, AI is fun. Single single player is pretty fun too. I've had I've had some some pretty good times with it. Yeah, I've actually heard that the single player is is surprisingly good on that game. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Soul Calibur 2's single player. Like you just kind of go through these levels, fight these people. You t- the only thing the only thing I'm not super excited about yet, and maybe it will happen with time. But you can get items that you can equip, which make you stronger. And it kind of fills me out because like my whole purpose of playing this game is to you know beat people fairly. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like when you have certain items that just make you super strong, or like one of them makes you start with a specific item and stuff. It's it's that kind of bugs me, but other than that, it's it's fun. It's definitely fun. How is uh how you like it, um, Super Mario Odyssey? Oh my god, the game is ridiculous. The game is so so <laughs> so fun. What is it on? Never too fun. What is it on the 2019 lineup that that caught your eye? Uh, let me take a look because I was talking at least about this earlier. Uh, there was a couple that I was just like, okay, here we go. Uh, the new Super Mario Brothers Deluxe because it's. Have you ever played those games? They're they're really fun co op games. Uh well I played New Super Mario Brothers Wii U um yeah, so that's just a regular that kind of thing. that's just like a regular Mario game though oh this one is if are you talking about the one you... if it's new uh the one I played was and if that's oh, based okay. on this one then it probably is the same more or less but the last time I played one of these games the co-op was super fun uh, are you thinking of played... 3D Mario World I don't think so okay 
Anyways, uh, beyond that, there's the new Luigi's Mansion, which should be super fun. There's going to be oh, yeah. probably probably a couple of Fire Emblem games. Could be a new Metroid game. Yoshi's World it has a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of people who are super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think about else. Oh, they made they they remade the Crash Team Racing series for it. Oh, they're, oh they're that's right. Remake, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're remaking like Final Fantasy VII and IX, I think, for it as well. Like they're just that, yeah, going yeah. Off. That's right. Yeah, they are doing that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of anything else. They're, they just came out with uh, the uh, with um, this will kind of segue us into news a little bit. They just came out with uh, Katamari Damachi Reroll, which is just a remaster of the original Katamari Damachi. Did you play their mobile one? No. <sighs> My God, you should look at the reviews. It's such a joke. So, so they pretty much uh, they took Katamari, which you know, very fan loved game. Maybe who's played it loves the game generally. You know, people are. are pretty strong following of it and so i was waiting for a new one because it's you know it's been a little bit and i saw they came out with one for mobile and i was like oh fuck yeah so if it's just katamari in mobile form sure nope it's literally dungeon run or whatever those stupid run games are called and it's just a money it's a one single level type game it's just a cash grab it's the dumbest concept in the world and the reviews are literally that it's like if you guys would port the original game over to mobile and add some microtransactions to it great you guys took the game and slaughtered it like it's just (laughs) It's so funny. Their reviews are just priceless. That seems like it would be a hard game to put on mobile. Um, I mean, I'm not saying know. that. I'm not saying that that means that you should put a like a shit version of it. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought too. I was like, man, that'd be kind of interesting to port over, but the controls weren't bad. I mean, but then again, if it was like the original one, it would be a lot more difficult to do the controls because this one, it's just you know, you're facing one direction generally. Yeah. I was super tilted about that, though. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that came out recently. Let's see. You got a couple other, like, old games being re-released news. Um, what else? Oh, okay. Blood was a 1997 PC horror shooter. Kind of along the lines of uh, of Doom, sort of. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that's, that is uh, a re-release for that has been announced um, okay. I believe it's like a remaster that's coming out, and I I think it's supposed to be sometime next year. So that was announced, and also uh, Panzer Dragoon one and two remakes have been announced. Uh, they're supposed to be released bef- quote before the end of 2019. Hmm. So uh, these are not just re-releases; they are actually remakes because it says like you know we're. Try to like you know make it better while retaining you know what made it good blah 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 all that kind of stuff, that's coming out. Um, not not a not a re-release, but a uh, a new game that like emulates the style of old classic first-person shooters like Doom and Blood. Uh, a game called Dusk just came out, and uh, I've heard very good things about this. I have not played it myself. Uh, but it, I mean, if you, if you pull it up, it really looks like a doom clone or something like that. Mm. Um, this was just released, I think it was either this week or last week. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, it's, it's definitely got the authentic classic look and it's again, from what I've heard, it's actually surprisingly good. Have you seen, there's a skin somebody made that is, did I tell you about this? It's Tim Allen from home improvement. No, for what? <laughs> so somebody took a Doom game and coded and, and put Tim Allen from Home Improvement, which is anybody doesn't know, it's like a mid '90s sitcom with starring Tim Allen, and he plays this, you know, just a typical dad. But his his job in the show is he is 
Um, he has a cable television show where he shows people how to build things and, and it, it, the skin for it is so funny. So every wall is just Tim Allen as, as himself in the show. And then the walls? Tim, yeah, the walls, all the monsters are Tim Allen. The guns are Tim Allen. And when you shoot the guns, it goes, <laughs> you, maybe, okay. That part, the gun part, I think maybe you have told me about this. That's how funny is that? That's freaking priceless, man. That's pretty good. That's and what so, I said. I was laughing so hard. Who is his, like, Al, right? Al was like a Yeah, Al Borland was his sidekick. Is he in there? Uh, not that I saw. I didn't, like, watch any of it. I just saw it. I was like, what? <laughs> Those things you see and you, like, do a double take. You're like, what did you just say? <laughs> it's a good oh, that, was, that was a classic show. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I'll save kind of the, uh, what to me was the most interesting piece of news for last, um... Actually, there's two that were pretty interesting. Uh, Gog, the Gog Winter Sale is is going on right now, and I could I I can't find I couldn't find the um date for when it ends. Hmm. Maybe I can find it right now. I'll give it one more shot. I think it might be going on until the did you purposely cut out the twentieth? Okay, of January. No. Oh, oh no. Okay. No, 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 no. It's, it goes till January 3rd. I was okay. way off. Okay. Uh, and um, on top of there being a sale, they're also giving away full throttle for free. So if literally you just, I guess, well, well, they were, maybe they're not anymore because I'm not seeing it now on there now. It might just not be showing it for me because, because I already own it, but I'm pretty sure it is still free for everyone. So if Full Throttle is a game that you've been thinking about, then definitely go to GOG and check it out and at least get that for free. And of course, they're doing like the new, the usual thing where if you spend like a dollar, then you get like this one specific, you get Fantasy General. And then if you spend $15, you also get uh, Everspace for free. Love it. Uh, and so their sales going on. Obviously, I'm a huge GOG fan. Uh, so far, I've only purchased one game from the sale. So... I'm showing a lot of restraint, at least a little bit more than usual. <laughs> and then we got two more things. Um, the other one is not an old game being re-released, but sort of along those same lines. Uh, John Romero, one of the creators of the original Doom, of course, uh, announced that he is uh, releasing a basically a pack of of uh, custom levels for, for the original doom. Whoa. <laughs> In February, they're coming out. It's called sigil S I G I L. It's a, and it's free as well. It's a, uh, it's a megawad for doom, Excuse which me? is, <laughs> it's a megawad, which is a, but again, it's a collection, a megawad. Like that's the, that was the term that they used back then for basically a collection of custom levels. And uh, he has created a new megawad for the original Doom. Uh, and he is releasing them, in, again, in February. Uh, this, so this does require you to own the original Doom in order to, uh, to play it. Hmm. It is free. There is, however, a uh, or two purchasable editions of it. Uh, let's see. There's a standard edition and a beast box edition. So if you buy it, the standard edition, you, you you buy these if you're interested, you just do a search for John Romero's sigil, but you cannot, but if you want to buy them, 
you get you buy them specifically from limited run games. Uh, if you purchase the standard edition, it's forty dollars. It comes with a uh, like a, a, a it comes with an actual box, and then it comes like on a CD in the box. I, I believe you get the the download as well, but uh, you get that. And uh, what else? You get a <laughs> a USB drive that looks like a three point five floppy disk. You get like some stickers or something like that. And the part that was most exciting to me, kind of even almost more than the game itself, is the purchase edition. The the the, the paid edition has a soundtrack by Buckethead, <laughs> and I am a huge Buckethead fan. I know that. Uh, yeah, and. Along with that, it, um, the game, so my understanding is if you, on the free version, the soundtrack is entirely different. On the paid version, the soundtrack is Buckethead. Um, most of it is songs that Buckethead has already, already released, but one of the songs is a new song that he wrote specifically for the game. Uh, on this Standard edition, you also get a uh, a CD that has the sound, the Buckethead soundtrack on it. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is a purchase for me because I'm a fucking yeah. big Buckethead fan. Um, then there's the Beast Box edition, which is $166. Jesus. It comes with an oversized, uh, like, large box that it comes in. Uh, it also comes with, like, the stickers and the soundtrack and all that, and the USB and all that kind of stuff. It comes with a signed art print a sigil coin, a t-shirt, and a pewter statue of John Romero's head on a spike. <laughs> Jesus. So, pretty uh, fairly typical John Romero type stuff. What if there's a shortage of pewter, though? <laughs> then they'll give you a plastic statue, <laughs> and they aren't planning on doing anything about it. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Relevance. Um... Oh, okay. and also you can only buy this up until December 24th. Um, after December 24th, you will never be able to purchase it ever. Except for eBay. Except for eBay. So uh, if 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 the standard or special edition sounds interesting to you, make sure you buy it by December 24th. Uh, otherwise, that's kind of your last chance. And uh, But again, it also is going to be a free, there is going to be a free version if you don't care about Buckethead as much as I do or getting, you know, boxes and that kind of stuff. Uh, and finally, this was really interesting, I thought, uh, and kind of sad, and I didn't see much coverage on this anywhere, just about. But um, I can, I never know how to say his last name, even though I've heard it several times. Reggie Fizame, is that how you say it? The Nintendo guy? Reggie? I don't think I know about this. Uh, he's like the Nintendo, you, you, you would know him if you saw him, Reggie, he's like the spokesperson for Nintendo America. Okay. Uh, anyway, however you pronounce his last name, he told the Hollywood Reporter that after this holiday season, the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic will not be restocked anywhere. Whoa. This is the last that they are, he said they will continue restocking them and, and, you know, and sending orders to shipping, shipping them to stores through the holiday season. And then after that. They're done. I wonder why. He says, this is a quote. He says, we've also been clear that at least from an America's perspective, these products are going to be available through the holiday season. And once they sell out, they're gone. And that's it. The way that consumers will be able to continue participating with our classic content is going to be through Nintendo Switch Online. 
Yep. And we just released three new games, uh, Ninja Gaiden Warriors Woods and Adventures of Lolo, from the NES generation onto that platform. We look at that as the main way that consumers will be able to experience that legacy content. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. I'm like, what's the sales pitch? There it is. Yeah, so... Uh, this is kind of sad to me. Not not super surprising, but yeah, it is sad as well. Yeah, not, or not really. I mean, nothing Nintendo does anymore is surprising because they don't always do like no. the most <laughs> sensible things, honestly. But like... Particularly the SNES classic with, because uh, I mean, because it has Star Fox 2, and that kind of is a little bit more than just having a, mm-hmm. you know, one of these little systems. Um, and it sounded like from, from I forgot what else I read, but something, I, I could be wrong here, but from what, from what I was reading, it, it made it also sound like there are like zero percent any plans for any sort of nintendo 64 classic or any or anything else along these lines so it sounds like they're just trying they're just trying to encourage everybody to buy a switch i kind of yeah i mean that's what it sounds like to me hey we're no longer gonna offer this service unless you buy our newest fucking product which is mm-hmm. as i know very expensive so yeah yeah that's kind of what it sounds like so if you uh have been thinking about one of those if you've been on the fence then uh now's the time to go ahead and get one Otherwise, we might see the prices on those go back up, uh, kind of like they did originally when the, particularly when the NES Classic originally came out. I guess a year and a half ago. It, it's interesting that remasters are becoming such a hot topic. I mean, you you look at many platforms, many developers are all looking to recreate their some of their original products. You have SquareSoft, Nintendo, Blizzard's doing it in like full force right now. It's so interesting that. We're at that point where, yeah, they're still creating new content. There's still new ideas out there. But at the same time, they're also investing a ton of resources in just remastering, dusting off some some old products and re-releasing them to make an extra buck. Yeah, it's that's crazy. true. There there have been... Um, it's been the year of remakes, I feel like, or the discussion of remakes. Not just this year. There's been, I feel like, the past few years, really. I mean, sure. there's been point. a bunch. I mean, and... you know, I don't blame them for doing that. A lot of that's no, just... not at all. That's what, that's what people want right now, and, and they're doing it. You're talking to the king. Like, I'm not complaining at all. I'm, I'm actually super excited about it. Because in, in all honesty, there are very few new games that come out that I'm like, yeah, I need to have that game. There are very few and far yeah. between. The Switch is the first time that I've truly been excited to purchase a you know, new system with new games. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about a lot of the remakes that are coming out, as you're well aware. I kind of go both ways. I, there are tons of old games that I'm like, oh, I really want that. But And there are also a bunch of new games that I'm like, oh, I want to play this one. Not, not so much like AAA games. Mm-hmm. But the, but like there are more new ga- new games that I want come out faster than I can play them basically. Right, I agree with you because there's so many now. Yeah. Like, I, not that I'm in it, but I know what you're talking about because obviously I don't I don't do that. But a lot I talk to a lot of people and I see all the new releases. Like I at least see the news on it, and I'm like Jesus. Like this game just came out, <laughs> and now this is out. It's like which one are people gonna play? Yeah, like I'm. I just pulled up my. And this is just Steam, and. uh not you know, not even counting Gog, but I'm I'm seeing four, five, six, seven games that I would really like to play all right now, and it's not even a money issue. It's just that, well, I'm playing this already. Like, hey, I gotta yep. wait because you know I'm not gonna be playing seven games at once. So let me finish. You know, I'm already playing like three or four. Let me finish one of these, and then I'll get to it. Uh, I can't play them as fast as like they're, they're coming out faster than I can get to them. Basically, that's crazy. All right, uh, that's all for news. So uh, why don't we talk about the video games that we've been playing. This is our game of the quarter evening. 
Do we want to kick off with that? You kind of you, you seem to like doing that last time. I can kind of go either way. I, I, I'm bisexual on this as well, so I mean, whatever whatever <laughs> you feel comfortable with. Uh, let's do it this way. Are you? What are you more positive about your game or the game we played together? I'm more um, positive about the game that I played. I'm more positive about the stuff that I played. Okay, so maybe we do the game of the quarter second, just to kind of start off on a high note. Or would you rather get the dirty, dirty laundry out of the way first? Well, now everybody knows that we don't like it as much. Well, as much as the other games we've played. For all they know, <laughs> we played the greatest game of all time, which I played an incredible game, and I'll just transition right into it. Okay. Uh, for this episode of the podcast, I have been wanting to play Duke Nukem 3D again for a <laughs> long time, and I spent way more time playing this game than I thought I would, oh, and I had an nice. absolute blast. Holy shit, this game is so fun. It, it's <laughs> it is so crazy because I thought about it, you know, like I, I played it a ton as a kid and I loved the shit out of it. But I was like, okay, you know, Duke Nukem, it's a very simplistic game. It's very misogynistic, sexist at times. It's ridiculous. There's gore. There's all these weapons and stuff. But then you, in my head, I'm like, but it's probably not that great of a game, right? Like you think of something like that is not going to be this right, fun right. game. Like, like it doesn't hold up. Exactly. No, this game holds up so well. It is super duper fun. Um, so, so Duke Nukem is is a is a what? It's categorized as a first person shooter, correct? Oh yeah. No, it's kind of like the stuck edge. Just want to make sure. No, no, no. It's a hundred percent first person shooter. So, there's a couple elements that make this game so great. I will say the sounds weren't the best, but but that's probably the lowest part of of this discussion. So, there's a couple things that make this great. First of all, the game itself is really fun. Second of all, when you start the game, you have a choice to play between one of four different levels. After you pick one of the four levels, you have ability to pick the difficulty. And the, the difficulties are not like you think. It doesn't say like easy, difficult, you know, hard. I'm going to Google it real quick. It, it, it's like piece of cake. Oh, God, it's so funny. I was laughing so hard. Like, there's just so much shit. So there's piece of cake, let's rock, come get some, and damn, I'm good. And the, the funniest oh, part right. about it is... Is is the main character has this real fucking deep voice, and he always he says it when you push it. So it's like piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. Let's rock. And and like at the beginning of every level, he usually talks shit in some way or another. Like it's just like you know he, he does the patented um, fuck it. Oh, what what is the line? It's uh, time to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. And uh-huh. it, it, it's so funny because you're just like getting into level, and I'm like, all right. And the, the very first level, what, is, what does he say at the very beginning? Like. Those aliens busted my ride, or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I forgot what he says. Second, uh, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know what you're talking about. It's it's so ridiculous. So the game starts. You get to choose one of the four levels. the The first level is pretty much the easiest one. So you lock into that one, and you, you're like sitting there. And at first, you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting. You have a gun. You have like a pistol. Then you have the ability to kick. And his boot is gigantic, and it's so funny. <laughs> and he can kick so fast. And so you can walk around, and my favorite thing in the world is to use the jetpack while kicking, because you can just, like, jetpack at things while you're kicking. Oh, nice. And the, the kick is just so fucking stupid, because you, you, it doesn't make any sense. You're, like, running while kicking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I do remember that part, that aspect of it. And so... Uh, this game has a lot of destructible elements to it because there's a lot of secrets. And this is another thing that is super fun about this game. There's a ton of secrets. And you have like an activate slash use um, command, which is spacebar for the computer. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of secrets in this game. So you're wandering around the game, like hitting spacebar and just trying to search for secrets. And he's like, ooh, ooh. Ooh. And like he just <laughs> makes this really funny noise, and and you can get a sense of where the secrets are for a couple reasons. This is what I love about the design of this game. So first of all, 
you can hear the mobs and you can hear them obviously sometimes through the wall. So you're like, oh, okay, there's a way to get into that wall. Okay, how can I do it? Do I need to open up a secret entrance way? Is there cracks in the wall where I can blow it up with either a pipe bomb or an RPG? Do I need the jetpack to fly to a higher point? Do I need a key card in order to open a door? Like there's all these different things you can think about of how to get in there. And you don't have to do all the secrets. Some of them are mandatory in order to progress through the level, but a lot of them, or not a lot of them, some of them are there just to give you extra health or bonus health or armor or weapons or items, which the items are hilarious, first of all. So items you get are jetpack, which does exactly that. You use it and you can fly around for a certain amount of time. Uh, I'm going to save the best for last because it makes me laugh every time. Uh, <laughs> night vision goggles, which does exactly that. It's great for dark areas because there are certain areas, especially strip clubs, which are very common in Duke Nukem. So having the ability to have night vision goggles is fantastic. <laughs> uh, there's the portable health kit, which is exactly that. You just heal yourself with it. And then the hollow Duke. The hollow Duke. It's oh, I remember item. that. You drop it on the ground and it creates a clone of Duke, of Duke Nukem. And he fucking just stands there and he takes shots for you. And it's so funny because you go into a room full of people and like there's these bad guys that are they're pigs in cop uniforms which is hilarious already because they're pigs in, they're warthogs yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. In, in cop uniform and you drop the hollow duke and it's just like getting annihilated and it's so funny to watch because you're just like wow it actually works or decently decently well so you have these items at your disposal you have health you have armor um your health max is out at 100 but there are these um atom looking health packs that actually take you to 150 which are pretty nice so if you're at 100 uh then you can heal 150 i did learn today that you can interact with a lot of options or excuse me a lot of um items and and like just objects so you can interact with like the toilets he takes a piss and he's like oh yeah and then you can like use the urinal and then you can break the urinal by kicking it and then you can drink from the urinal like the, the broken spout and it cues <laughs> I didn't you know that. yeah there's like all this random shit and then if you go to a mirror he's like oh damn i'm good looking or something like that he looks <laughs> And it's just, and the mirror actually works because it actually helped me see some enemies at one point. I was like looking through the mirror to see if there were enemies. Um, but every object in the game can be destroyed, it, it, theoretically. So there's, a, there's an opportunity for a lot of secrets. So if there's a window, probably want to try kicking it. If there's a mirror, probably should want to try kicking it. If there's a, 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 a brick that looks a little odd on the wall, probably want to go over there and hit the space bar and just kind of mm -hmm. test it out. But there's all these different secrets and they're so, so funny. Um, it's just, it's an absolute blast just to explore these levels. It's not the most difficult game. I will say, actually, no, it is. It is actually pretty damn difficult because I'm playing on the easiest difficulty and I'm still struggling. There's, oh, wow, really? Yeah, like I'm trying to be very resourceful, but there's certain rooms I've gone into where there's like the the Warthogs I was talking about, they have shotguns and they do from they do anywhere from like 10 to 50 damage. And you have like a, a max of 100 armor and 150 health. And so if you have like multiple Warthogs chasing you, you could die super duper quick. Like I've dropped very very quick in a room just just from a couple of warthogs and uh if you don't have the night vision goggles and you're in a dark room a lot of times they will get the first shot on you because they just they see you before you can see them mm -hmm. um i alluded to before the game's kind of kind of sexist misogynistic absolutely so you walk into <laughs> many different strip clubs in the game and there's obviously these really poorly drawn women that are stripping or or, or dancing at the strip clubs and you can walk up to them and you hit space bar and he hands them cash he hands them cash and they flash you. They flash that. you. <laughs> and there's multiple I remember areas. that. Yeah, of course I'll bet you remember that. And there's multiple <laughs> areas where you can like go into these booths where there's just porn playing. Like it's just straight up porn. Really? And, and it, it's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, so there's that. Um, the weapons are really fun. So you get like a pistol, you get a shotgun, you get like this minigun that's really powerful. I talked about the pipe bomb. The pipe bomb's really fun. RPG's fun. Uh, I don't think I've seen too many other weapons besides those so far. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Um, there's some destructible objects. There's like propane tanks and stuff that you can shoot and blow them up and, and open up secret areas. And the, the game itself is just kind of interesting to progress through because every time you open up something, every time you hit a switch, every time you grab a key card, it expands the map a little bit. And a lot of times you have to backtrack a little bit. Uh, but you can run, so it's easy to get around. Uh, mobs don't respawn, thankfully. So the, you don't have to worry about when you're running around looking, trying to figure out where to go. Um, Trying to think what all this game is so funny. Some of the lines that he says really just get to me now, and I was like, "Wow, I thought this was going to be like really stupid, like slapstick." But there are there are certain times when he just says things, and it's like the perfect timing, <clears throat> the perfect timing, and it just really makes me laugh. Like I'll go to a room and I'll just like drop a pipe bomb and blow all these mobs up, and he's like, "Damn, I'm good," and it's just like the perfect timing for for what's going on in the game. So let's, 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 hold on, I'm going to search some some quotes. Hold on a second. There's also the uh, like shrink ray gun. I don't know if you ever if you got that far. There's also there's a few other guns that are like that do kind of creative things. The only I feel like there might be like a freeze gun or something like that. I could be wrong about that, but the only one I specifically remember, uh, besides kind of like the basic ones, is the shrink ray gun. I haven't seen like that shrink, one yet. You can like shrink somebody and obviously makes them really small, and then you can just run over and step on them and it kills them. I'm trying to do anything else that's really funny. Um, all in all, it's a very fun game. I, if anybody has any fond memories of playing this or has any interest in doing it, I would recommend it. The controls are a little wonky because you, I don't think you can strafe. I didn't check to see if I could actually change the, uh, the ability to strafe, but I had to like mm. use the the arrow keys or your mouse to turn in order to move. Like mm. it's like turret style, so right. Gets kind of old, uh, which can actually get get you into hairy situations sometimes when you're using like the RPG and pipe bombs because you'll end up hitting yourself because you're just trying to <laughs> move at the same time and, and accidentally misfire. Um, but the game is very fast paced. So I'll, after I after you sort of start to figure out the progress level, like the, the one of the, the levels that I beat is like first time I played it, I played very slowly. I identified where the monsters were. And the second time I just like ran in. And like I said, I was like a ninja. I was just throwing the kicks as I was running at them and shooting them. At the, by the way, you could shoot while you're kicking, which again is hilarious. So you're running <laughs> while kicking and shooting at the same time and talking shit. So he's doing four things at once. And it, it, it's just so great because you're just running these guys down the streets. And then, so you're, you're burning your way through the level and then maybe you overextend to do something stupid and die. And you're like, okay, well, I know where that mob is for next time. And then slowly you start to realize where all the different items are. And in a lot of instances, the maps are built pretty well to where if there's a secret, there's usually multiple ways to get to that secret, which is really interesting. The fact that they, they actually did that this early on is pretty cool because I'll get into a secret room and I'll be like, oh, there's an exit over there and I'll open it. It's like, oh, this takes me back to this room. Like I, I didn't even notice this was a doorway. Or like it's an oh. air vent or there's a, there's an item that I could have or a, an object I could have interacted with to open it. And it's interesting because there's some there's like one bathroom that was a secret I found. And there were three ways to get in there. Three. And I was like, Jesus, they really designed these levels pretty, pretty coolly. Because I mean, it's like I could have accidentally found this this room three diff by going three different routes. And you ended up needing something in that room in order to progress through the level. Yeah. Uh, so the level design is pretty cool. There is an ability to look at the map, which is actually really helpful, especially in some of the areas where it's darker and you can't see very well. It's it's much easier to navigate through it. Um, oh, there was one part that I that really threw me off, which there was like it was supposed to be like a puzzle. I guess you, you walk into this room and there's four buttons. There's like two sets of two, and it's you can either turn them off or on. And I wanted the level trying to figure out if there was like some sort of visual thing that was to guide me in order to figure out what the correct ordering of buttons was. But I ended up just guessing. I just, in my head, I was like, okay, I'll just do it in order, right? And I think it didn't take me very long. I probably did like 10 combinations. And it was pretty cool because eventually this building in front of you just gets demolished. And that's where you're supposed to go, which was... The the button combination like caused the building to explode, basically? Yeah, I think you're supposed to know it for some reason, but I don't know where I missed it. Because I explored (laughs) the level pretty thoroughly, um, but didn't, didn't see anything that signified what the code should have been. 
You probably just have uh, to be smart like me. Yeah, we'll go with that. Try to think there's anything else. I think that's kind of everything. I mean, this is a really, really fun game. If you go into it expecting Duke Nukem, you'll get what you want. If you're expecting, you know, super in-depth game, you're going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't go into Duke Nukem, a game called Duke Nukem, expecting like a deep experience. I'm looking for a JRPG. <laughs> uh Okay, hell yeah, that's 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 awesome. I'm glad you liked it so much. I, I it's been so it's been for I've I've beaten the game, but it's been forever since me I've too. even touched it. Me too. It, it would take me a while to beat that game. No joke. Some of those levels huh. are nasty, man. Especially like the, the each because the four levels you start with they're sort of like worlds. So once you beat the first level, there's a second level that you know in that in that specific uh, world, and the levels get hard, man. Like they like the the second level, you literally start with mobs in front of you fighting you. I was like, whoa. It's a little aggressive. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Glowing review for uh, for Duke Nukem 3D. Oh, yeah. Is there a chance we might see that on your top three later in this evening? Mm. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to give anything away. You can just be silent. You can say, Maybe. Uh, I, I Maybe. want an attorney. Maybe. It's, not, it's unlikely. We'll say it's unlikely. Okay. I got two games to talk about before we get to our game of the quarter. Okay. Uh, we'll go in ascending order. So I'm going to save the better one for last. The first one I'm going to talk about is uh, a game called Disciples 2 Dark Prophecy. This was a game that I had in my GOG library. And I was looking for something kind of like a little bit uh, slower pace. Something that I can uh, like. So as as I believe I've mentioned before, I work from home. So during lunch, I like to play games. But obviously I'm eating, so I can't play anything that like requires you know, me to both have both hands on the keyboard all the time or whatever. So I was looking for like a nice slow paced, you know, uh, per, uh, preferably turn-based game. This is a turn-based strategy game that I found in my GOG library. So I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's, I'm finally going to give this one a shot. Like start whittling down on all the, <laughs> the backlog in my sure. library. Uh, and so, so I went with this one. It is now it's, now to back up a little bit. Just to give you, because you'll wonder how I know this, I have, um, you've told me many times that I need to play Heroes of Might and, Heroes of Might and Magic, uh, specifically two or three. Yeah. And um, I have given Heroes of Might and Magic two a shot. However, I only played it, it was like earlier in the year, I only played it for about, geez, probably, probably like 20 minutes or something like that before I kind mm-hmm. of... I didn't give up on it. I, I thought it was good, but it was like it's that was all. It was, it was like other stuff came up, and I ended up just like moving on to other things. I do plan to return to that one. Um, I specifically plan to do it next year. Um, but the reason I'm telling you that is because playing um, Disciples Two, this game, I, I didn't really know exactly. I knew it was some sort of strategy game. I knew it was, well, actually, I wasn't even sure about that. I knew it was either strategy or RPG, mm-hmm. uh, and I knew it was turn-based. This is a, this is like a turn-based strategy game heavily based on the, uh, it basically uses the Heroes of Might and Magic style. Interesting. Um, it's, 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 I mean, like, you could have called it a Heroes of Might and Magic game, and I would have been like, oh, yeah, this is just one of the later sequels, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so all the mechanics are very, very much the same. Again, from from what little I have played of Heroes of Might and Magic, you have um, a base, of course, and just like Heroes of Might and Magic, and different from many other 
strategy games of this type. When you build on, when you like expand your base, not, 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 not expand, but like when you build new parts of your base, like new buildings or whatever, Okay. It, it's, it's, it's part of a, like you go to a separate screen to build those things. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. Starcraft or something like that, where it takes up a new part of the map. Your base takes up a specific part of the map and that's all it will ever take up. And when you build a new building that allows you to, you know, build a different unit or do research or whatever it is, all it does is it t- you go to that building screen and it shows like your big castle or whatever it is. And it kind of builds an addition onto that castle. That sounds like Heroes of My Magic a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying it was different. I was like, no, 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 no. I was saying that like this is one okay. of the things that that's, element that's, up. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just like Heroes of Might and Magic, it does that. <clears throat> uh, it's also um, it's there are you're, you're you know obviously you're playing against other 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 races, other you know AI characters, sure. and uh, you have basically like parties that you send out to do to, to do stuff to go fight or whatever so uh and each party is led by a i forgot what they're called but like a like a like a champion type hero okay and uh so you have like a hero or whatever it is and then he's got a few guys with him and they go out and then you and that's basically like one unit is that group is that party and then you can have another unit if you want which is another hero uh you always have to have at least one of well i guess exactly one you always have to have a hero and then uh, just for in this game, it's just a handful of, of other characters that go around with him, which are each each hero has like a specific number of people that can that he can command, basically, that that go around with him. Sure. By default, it's typically three others. And I think like as you level them up, then you can add on to that, you know, add their add the number of slots that they have and that kind of stuff. I believe in Heroes of Might and Magic, you, you can typically have like a bunch of other people in your party. Isn't that right? Yeah. Like yeah. other creatures, right? Yeah, other creatures. Yeah, yeah. So that so that is a difference. So again, the same kind of it follows the same kind of structure where like it's you know you have these parties that are going around the map with a specific number of people, but the difference is uh, in Heroes Might and Magic you have a bunch of people. This is more focused on having like a small number of people uh, in your party, and you know any given battle is again just a small number of people usually like three versus three or something like that it's mm-hmm. kind of like they have bigger more powerful units as opposed to you know a bunch of just a bunch of units um okay. also there are you know like neutral mobs around the map so you'll go fight them and level up and then you know again obviously you're fighting against somebody else as well and they're kind of doing the same thing and eventually you you know in the, if it's if you're just if if the purpose of this mission is just to kill them, then that's what you want to do. But if you're trying to do something else, then you're kind of like fighting them off while trying to do whatever else, whatever your like uh, goal for that for that mission is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, so you're traveling around the map, exploring, fighting neutral mobs, leveling up. When, when you whenever when you level up, um, all of your all of the members of your party gain XP. I don't remember if that's the case. Oh. Or it, heroes it, it, only your hero gains experience okay that's what i thought in this one all characters gain experience gotcha and um so when they level up what you have to have the building for that uh for that class of okay. unit for them to level up so uh like if you've got so the 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 race that i played the most of was i forgot what they're called but they were they're like ice dwarves basically Okay. And uh, so you might have like a hammer dwarf and like a giant and um, and your main hero. And they all get experience points. And like say your giant levels up, 
Well, if you don't have the first giant building, then he can't level up because that, that's literally the purpose of the building is it allows them to level up. Um, if you do get that, then you can, you know, once you get that, then if, you know, any giant that has enough experience points, they will level up. And then from there, usually the way it goes is you, you basically have to choose like a tech path for that unit. It's like, if you buy this building, then your, then your hammer dwarves will, when they level up there, they'll become this type of dwarf. Or if you buy this other building, then when they level up, they'll have, they'll become this other type of dwarf and you can't have both. You have to choose one for any given mission. Um, so that's, that's the general flow of the game is you creating new heroes. You also capture like gold mines and crystals and things like that. The gold mines, obviously, well, probably, obviously they give you money each turn. You use money to either recruit new heroes and characters or to, you know, expand your castle and build new, new add-ons to the castle. The crystals all give you magic power. So the magic is, can be used to either research new spells or, um, or use spells. And then there's like four different types of magic. Each race inherently has, uh, can, has the ability to research basically, as far as I understand any of the spells of their particular type of magic. So most of so, so a lot of the time, if you capture a crystal that gives you a different type of magic, it doesn't help you out very much. Unless you buy like a tome at a store that you find, you can at a store, you can buy, not tome, but I think scrolls um, that will allow you to learn other types of magic. So if you have one of those, then you need the crystal for that kind of magic to be able to replenish it and keep on using it. Uh, The magic is shared throughout like your entire uh, team, basically. So, you know, if you have 400 of the blue diamond magic, then if one person uses that spell, then that, you know, depletes the 400 for everybody. Um, what else? Uh, so you're, you're going around the map, kind of exploring, trying to find, you know, whatever you're, you know, like some of the levels are just like take over these three cities. So you got to find the three cities on the map and then take them over. You're exploring, you're fighting mobs to level up. You are uh, finding things like I was talking about, like stores or finding other structures that might have people in them. But then when you destroy them, then you find like some sort of awesome item in there. Um, the uh, the only thing that was kind of lacking to me was the was the actual battles. So, again, also just like Heroes of Bite Magic, when you go into battle with whether it's a, a neutral mob or, you know, an actual another AI player. Then it goes to like a separate screen where it's got your guys on one side and their guys on the other side. And uh, the um, the battles are very simple <laughs> because every person, they only have one attack. It's not like your even your hero just has one attack. You can't do any spells that you cast. I was talking about spells earlier. Those are all cast before you go into battle. So if you have a spell that does damage or that like buffs your guys or whatever it is, that's something that you cast and then you go into battle. So if you want to like hit these guys with this like fire spell, then you cast it on them and then walk on and then walk onto their square to do battle with them in battle. You really just, I mean, you can do like, you can like defend instead of attack and then your hero can use items to, to heal people and stuff like that but it's really basic stuff. And overall the battles are very, very basic. It's you just choose. It shows you which guy whose turn it is. You just click on the person that you want him to attack. 
and uh, it's it's that's all there is to the battle system. Even if it's somebody who does like uh, an attack that hits everybody, or you know hits or like hits a certain number of people for less, it's uh you you still like he just does that say they that like that's his one attack and he does that regardless. So you target whoever you want to target and they do their attack and then it moves on to your next guy. You choose who he wants to attack. And that's all there is to the battle system. Interesting. Um, the art is really good. It's like a, this really detailed kind of almost like oppressive kind of gloomy art style that, that really works really well. Uh, that This is both on the, uh, both for the characters like in the battle, they're like these big kind of dark detailed characters as well as in the, uh, like when you're, when you're on the map view, like everything is again, kind of like like tone like the the tones are all kind of dark everything looks really detailed the graphical style i really really think looks great in this <laughs> game um and then there are four races i can't let's see there's like a demon race an undead race a uh the ice dwarves i believe and i think the last one was a human race i don't even remember exactly because i didn't play them i primarily played the ice dwarves and i tried out the uh the demons and the uh and the undead a little bit and uh, it's there. There's a pretty good variety, but again, at the same, like the variety mostly comes in what kind of heroes you get. So the variety, like everything, looks really cool and different, and all of the units look really cool. And but the only differences really are like, oh, this one has a hero that does an AOE, or this big character can do this much, and this has the giant who has like who's like super strong starting out, and that kind of stuff. So. It kind of feels like there's more variance than there actually is, mm-hmm. but I still do appreciate, you know, having four different races that ha- that are that are somewhat distinct. But it's nothing like you know StarCraft, where you know all the races function significantly differently. It's really just like they look different, and they kind of have a different feel to them, and that's kind of about it. Um, overall, this was a really fun game. I didn't get super far, but I played it quite a bit. Like the first. Like you, you play, you really only play campaign missions there. As far as I can tell, there's not any sort of just skirmish mode in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like the first mission for the, on the dwarves took me surprisingly long just because I couldn't find the third city that I was supposed to take over. But uh, that like, I probably played that one for like several, like maybe like two hours, but Jesus. I played that and then played a little bit more with the dwarves. Then I played some uh, primarily with the undead after that. And I really had a fun time overall. It's, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the same, the same things that make it good are probably the same things that, that you, the same things that you love uh, the Heroes of Might and Magic games so much for, which is just kind of building your army, deciding kind of what tech you're going to have, exploring the map, fighting mobs, like just doing all this stuff. It's just kind of, it's just fun. Yeah, this game's just super in depth. I I will say like, I, I've always talked about how highly I uh, like, um, Here's my Magic 3. But it's always interesting to me when I tell people about it, it's very difficult for me to say, yeah, you should try this game. Because in all, in all seriousness, like it's it's as if I need to go with you and say, like, hey, let me let me walk you through this game. Because there's about six different layers to it, and those six layers have ten compartments to them, and it's a very complicated game. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of those type of games, at least in my eyes. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so that's that's dark, that's uh, the Disciples 2. I, I recommend it. I think it was a, a really... 
I really had a lot of fun with it. It was kind of one of those games where it's one of those um, classic, like just one more turn type games. Yep. I'll do one turn and finish up. Be like, oh, I just want to do one more. Just, see, you know, like see if I can do this or that next. Oh, just one more to see what happens. Yep. Absolutely. So Dark Disciples 2 gets a double thumbs up from, from me. I like it. The, uh, the, uh, the other game I played before, uh, before we get to our game of the quarter is the final game on my uh, New Year's resolutions list for 2018. You're going to like this one. Okay. Pikmin. Oh, you played Pikmin for game. Oh, yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it was fucking fun. How fun is that game? How fun is that game? <laughs> it is really good. I had a blast, honestly, playing this. Um, So we've talked about Pikmin plenty on here, but I don't know if we've really kind of... We, we've talked about it in general, and I know you've played it and talked about it before, but I don't yeah. know if we've gone much over like the specific mechanics so I'll kind of start from, I'll just kind of start from scratch and pretend we've never discussed it. Um, so Pikmin, as I'm sure you know, is a, uh, is a GameCube game. It was, it was a launch title, right? Ooh, actually, I don't know. I believe so, but I don't know. If not, it was, uh, one of like the, or like one of the very early GameCube games. I, I believe it was a launch title. Um, and the whole game is based on, so you are this, this like spaceman named Alamar. And you're you you're flying this like kind of almost like 1950s style like stereotypical sci-fi rocket around space, and then something happens. I forgot what exactly, and you crash land on yeah, a, a rock or something, a meteor or something. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. You, and you crash land on a planet, and uh, your all of these pieces of your ship that are important to it basically fly all over the planet, and you have 30 days before your oxygen runs out. To find all of the pieces of your ship, put it back together, and fly home. So, you're going around looking for these pieces of your ship, and the very first day you discover that there are these little uh, creatures called Pikmin that um, essentially are like half plants, and they grow out of the ground, and you can like pull them out of the ground, and they'll follow you around, and kind of, you command them. And so, as you play for the, through the first like three or four days and you discover that there are three different types of Pikmin. There are red, blue, and yellow. And, um, what you, the, the way they work is they, you have these, uh, they're called onions. They're these kind of, they're these little contraptions that kind of stand on these three really tall legs. And then, um, and Pikmin come out of them when you feed certain things into them. So, you, you go around and you find these little, like, usually it's like these little, like, pucks almost that you find. They're on plant. They're on some plants. Sometimes they're just lying around, not attached to anything. And you can also get them from taking, like, dead bodies of, of like, other wildlife that you kill. So if you have, for instance, uh, a couple red Pikmin and they find one of these pucks, then you can tell them to, to go get it and carry it back. And they'll carry it back to their onion. And then... Depending on the size of the little puck thing, the onion will spit out a couple more extra Pikmin. So you have more guys. Um, the small ones will typically give you like, I don't know, two or three, anywhere from like one to three Pikmin. Then a larger one might give you five or ten. And then some of the bigger ones might give you 20 new Pikmin. You can have 100 out total at any given time to like follow you around and help you do stuff. Again, there's three different kinds. There's red, yellow, blue. Red are like the basic Pikmin. They can... 
um, attack other wildlife because they're good there fighters. are yeah they're good fighters and that's Strong. basically that's basically what that's basically their main purpose and again they're they're kind of like the, the the core of your the, the core Pikmin that you'll use most of the time. Yep. Um, they will. Uh, they're strong. They can fight other wildlife that will attack you, and that will also attack your Pikmin. And uh, and they can also uh, knock down. There are some like essentially like gates that you have to knock down by letting your Pikmin attack them for kind of kind of usually kind of a long time. Yep. So uh, you might have like twenty red Pikmin with you, and you tell them all to go attack this gate, and they'll kind of work on beating that down while you go and do some other stuff. Um, there are the yellow ones. They uh, are they they're not as strong as the red ones, but there's two things you can throw them farther than you can throw the red ones, and also they can pick, the yellow ones can pick up these little bomb things that you can find around on some of the maps, and you need the bombs primarily to open other specific types of gates. Uh, there are some gates that will not open unless you throw like six of these bombs, and then other stronger gates that won't open until you throw like ten of these bombs at them, and that's the primary use for bombs. You can also use them against bad guys, but mostly use them against gates. And then the blue ones can go in water because no other Pikmin can go in water throughout the game. You will have many Pikmin die just because you got too yeah, close yeah, to tell water. Me about it. What is it like when, when Pikmin fall in the water, do they just instantly drown or <laughs> they do what you've told what exactly what you told me. They go, yeah. And then like splash around in the water they for a few. Struggle, and you can struggle. And you can play your horn to try and pull them out, and they just keep struggling, keep struggling. And if if some of them get out, they shake it off, and they're like, Whoa. but if they don't, then they go, ah, and they die, and their fucking spirit floats out of your body, and you have to go spirit to therapy for three months. Uh-huh. It is a horrible, <laughs> horrible experience. And so the blue ones can go in water just fine, and um, so obviously you need them for any parts that are, like, you know, blocked by water. Usually, so there are, like, you, you unlock different areas of the planet that you can get to as you find more parts of your ship. And in total, there are, I think like just like five different parts of the different areas that you can go to. So like the first area maybe ha- I think has like three parts and the second few have anywhere from like, I don't know, have like uh eight to 10, that kind of stuff. And then like the, the very last area only has one, but the primary ones are the second, third and fourth, I guess that, that have several each. And uh, so you're going around and you have 30 days. Now, the 30 days... Is that now, one day... The days are kind of quick. Yeah, it feels like it. One day, I feel like, lasts about 15 minutes. So wow, you have that short. It felt like no more than 20, for sure. Okay. Um, so you have 15, 20 minutes to go around, try to find these parts to your ship, um, try to, rec- try to you know, get some of these pucks for your Pikmin to recruit like new Pikmin. Um, and this is to me where the game kind of got stressful <laughs> because I'd be like, well, shit, I only have 30 days. I have to like maximize each run yep. uh, on each of these days. And I didn't really start thinking this, thinking about that until I was maybe seven days in or so. Um, And so like, I'd be like, all right, I got to go here first. I'm going to go here first. I'm going to go here. First. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take 10 red Pikmin with me, drop them off at this spot to do this thing. Go back, take, get, you know, some more Pikmin and go over in this direction. Have the yellow ones take down this wall. Then I'm going to go back to the red ones and see if they're finished. Bring them back. Have them, you know, harvest some plants to get some of these pucks so we can get more Pikmin. 
Uh, then I'm going to take some blue ones and go to this water. Then I'm going to let them do something, come back with these red ones and go attack these guys. Uh, I really found myself like heavily strategizing each area. And, and, and the first time you land in an area, you don't know what's going on. So you kind of have to explore to see like where things are blocked, uh, where you can get to, where what what you can't quite figure out yet. You need to like, you know, give some thought to. Usually what I would do is spend the first day or two primarily focusing on, you know, you know, the first day or two that, uh, the first day or two of any given area, I would spend it primarily focusing on opening any gates that need to be open because sometimes the gates just make paths shorter. But sometimes the gates also completely block off areas that you can't get to at all. So I would focus on getting those open so that I could, you know, first off have access to places, but also speed up the rest of the days that I was there if it was for a gate that didn't necessarily unlock anything, but just gave you a much shorter path to one place. So I'd focus on doing that and then thinking about, all right, where are the where are the uh, the ship parts? Because you look at them, you, you have a map that's, that basically just shows you where they are. And... Uh, and be like, all right, how am I going to get here? Okay, I need to. And usually you have to. Uh, oh, another thing about the red Pikmin was, is they're fireproof. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is very important. Um, usually, especially on some of the later areas, you have to uh, take several different types of Pikmin to get to one place. Because you might have to get a part from a, uh, from like, you know, some spot that's in the water. So obviously you need the blue ones for that so they can get over there and get it. But then once you get it out of the water... Then between that spot and your ship, there are there's like a bunch of fire or like a bunch of like uh, wildlife that shoots fire at you. So then you need to tell them to drop it and then get your red guys to go carry the ship part the rest of the way home. And again, while you're doing all this, inevitably you're losing tons of Pikmin, whether they're getting killed by creatures or falling in water or uh, whatever it may be. And so you're also having to see, okay, should I focus on getting more parts now, or do I need to try to recruit some more Pikmin by yeah. you know, getting some of these pucks and stuff so I so I don't run out of guys later? And yeah, um, I spent multiple days macroing, especially early on. I would macro the shit out of that game and just get a ton, a ton of guys. Did you really? Oh, I yeah. usually I usually focused on, I would always go, like I said, the first couple of days I would always focus on opening up as many paths as I could because once you open up a gate or build a bridge or whatever it is, uh, except for some of the bridges, those, those stay open forever. Mm. So, um, I would focus on doing that. And then what I would do is I would focus on getting ship parts, but then, um, at the end of the day, I would macro a little bit at the end of every day because I'm like, all right, I have five minutes. I don't have enough time yep. to go get another ship part. Um, there's plenty of flowers that have like sprouted throughout the day that have these little puck things on them. So now I'm going to spend a few minutes just going to getting some, uh, some extra guys. Um, what else? There was, there were a couple, there were, I feel like there were several other things that I, uh, you want to talk about some of the bad guys and the viciousness of them? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do that in just a second. Hold on. Okay. Let me, let me look at you're good. Oh, one thing was, um, I'm pulling up my notes and looking at some of the other things that I wrote down. The Pikmin are kind of dumb. Their yes. path, their pathfinding is almost non-existent. Frustrating. All they know, <laughs> yeah. All they know how to do is go in a straight line to wherever you are. So you, especially, this especially comes into play when you have like a bunch of Pikmin following you. Like if you have a hundred out and following you, then you have to constantly like be going around and like, you know, they'll get stuck behind corners and they don't know how to go around a corner. They just know how to make a beeline straight to you. So they'll get stuck behind stuff. You have to like 
go off to the side, like way back around the other end of a corner, like backtrack so that they can come up and like catch back up to you. And then you can go on. I feel like that. I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but it, it feels, it feels purposeful enough that like, even if it, even if it wasn't on purpose, like you could, they could pass it off and say, Oh yeah, that's just the Pikmin being dumb. Um, there's also, uh, some parts, some parts wouldn't, I, I felt like we're not explained very well. Hmm. Uh, just a couple of small, these, these are just a couple of nitpicks. Um, it didn't, it's, 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 so it tells you how to get more Pikmin. It explains very early, like, oh, look, this guy carry this little puck and then more of them s- sprouted out. But it doesn't tell you how, it, it doesn't explain that when, um, like a yellow Pikmin is carrying a puck. It doesn't explain that that's, he's going to, that whatever color is oh. carrying it, that's where he's going to take it because yeah. the pucks themselves also are colors. And so I always thought like, Oh, if this red guy is carrying a yellow puck, then he's going to take it to the yellow thing. and I'm going to get more. No, the red guy is always going to carry it to the red. Yellow is always going to carry it to the yellow. The, the puck color actually, I think has to do with how many you get. It doesn't, change it doesn't tell where they're going to send it to which onion they're going to give it to to get more guys yeah whatever whatever the most pikmin whatever color has the most pikmin picking up the puck that's one it'll go to yes okay and then the only other thing that 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 kind of frustrated me a little bit until i figured it out was uh i also don't think it was explained well was when the yellow pikmin are carrying bombs uh there so there are some parts where you have to like have the, have them get bombs and then you have to get them to climb this thing so they can get to another yep. part and then and then you go around because you have to walk through water so you can, and you can't f- climb up the thing they did so you have to like tell them to climb this thing then like tell them just to sit there then go back around and you have two ways to get pikmin to follow you especially if you've told them to like stand still one is you can blow your whistle at them or you can just walk up like essentially walk into them and then they start following you. Will the yellow ones, if they're carrying a bomb and not even all of the time, but if they are uh, carrying a bomb, if you whistle at them, then for some reason they drop the bomb, basically regardless of whether you want them to or not. And then they start following you. Uh, So this screwed me up so many times on this one day. I was trying to figure out how to get these guys up, in this spot and then go back and get them without them dropping the bomb. Because every time I whistle, let them to follow me, they would drop the bomb right there and then come on and it would blow up and usually hurt some of them. And particularly, and most importantly, I didn't have the bomb for where I needed it later. Uh, it turns out that to keep them from dropping the bomb, you have to just do the thing where you walk into them and then make them follow you, which was uh, really not explained anywhere. Um, and then the only other thing that I, that I, I'm sorry, I know I'm, you were trying to say something a minute ago, but I'll just get this no, one last good. thing in. Um, it's kind of funny at the end of every day, any Pikmin that you don't, that you oh, haven't yeah. brought back, that you haven't brought back and like put them back into their onions, they, they automatically die because they get killed by the wildlife. And at the end of the day, um, if there are Pikmin that you left behind, then it shows you shoot, it shows you flying off in your rocket. Cause you're like flying up into space, like to safety for the night before you land back the next day. And it shows the other onions, 
or it shows the onions also flying off to safety, like with you, just so you can kind of like hover over the planet for the night, you know, again, until the next day. And then if you left Pikmin behind, it shows them like running up, trying to get, <laughs> trying to get to the onions before they take off. And then the, all the onions and the rockets take off. And then the Pikmin are running up there trying to catch up to you. And then some of like the creatures, the wildlife comes up and eat the Pikmin as they're trying to like escape the planet with you, which is like really kind of traumatizing almost. To me, learned, to me, that was worse than than, than hearing them drown. It, one of the things I learned though is like one of the levels I was playing way too greedy, and I ended up leaving like a like eighty Pikmin behind or something. Like I was <laughs> loading them as I lost. You don't lose all of them. You lose oh, really? most of them. Yeah, you'll come back the next day and they'll be like burrowed into the ground. So thankfully, they're kind. Oh, no, no, nice. no. You know that I think that depends on whether they have a flower on their head. Oh, really? Yeah, because you know how they can eat honey. Yeah. Yeah. And they get flowers on their head, and that means basically if they die, then they like, leave a seed the behind. What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, if they have a, if they eat honey, they get a flower on their head, and if they have a flower on their head, then if they get killed by something, then they basically leave a seed behind, and you can go get a new one. So that's I I, I could be wrong about your specific case, but I bet that's probably what was. No, no, you're there. probably right. It, it, that sounds that sounds like it would be correct. I didn't know that. Though. That's interesting. I mean, I always had all flowers because I would just find honey and farm it. Yeah, yeah. Um, two two final thoughts on this. First of all, I had so much fun playing this game. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, this definitely lives up to the reputation. And it's such like a charming game to play also. Like something about it is just really, it's just really charming. Um, mostly like the visual style and all that. But uh, two final things. Uh, I like also how you can see like the progress on the ship as you get more parts and oh, yeah. it actually like visually. shows them. Yeah, visually. Um, actually, three more things. So, so two after that. One, I was constantly, especially around like the halfway point, reloading saves because I would start a day, and be like, oh, shit, I didn't do, I didn't like maximize this the potential in the state. I need to redo that. So I would just stop and reload. Wow. Or like. I would lose a whole bunch of Pikmin and be like, ah, shit, I can't, I can't have that. I would reload because in the back of my mind, this whole time, I'm like, well, if 30 days come and I don't have, you know, all the parts I need to, to leave the planet, then I've just like wasted all this fucking time. Oh yeah. So I don't know if you did, did you feel, do you find yourself doing that? At all? Not, I, I, I'm I've beaten the game a couple times, so I'm okay, very okay. good about getting through it in time. Like I think the last time I beat it was like 23 days. I beat it 23 days, and I got everything. Okay, yeah, I did like 25 or 26 days and had yeah. everything. But again, that's with tons of reloads. Yeah. Um. Also, my final thought is I would really like to see a speed run of this game. Interesting. I think that would be really fun to see, like exactly what paths they go for. You know how, what what order they do things in, and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Also, the controls are surprisingly good on yeah. this game. It, it seems like it would be really awkward because you're really just controlling Olimar. Yep. And you're telling um Pikmin when to come out of the onion, or when to follow you, or when to stand still, or when to go do this and that. Um, and that's. That could have very easily kind of been a disaster control wise, particularly on a, you know, not a PC. But um, I feel like they handled it really very extremely, like as well as they could have, like much better than I than I would have expected. I agree with you. 
So, uh, yeah, kind of a fun, puzzly, strategy-ish game. It's it's really, there's not a, there's, it, this really doesn't fit into a category, I don't feel like. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a ton of fun. It, 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 it exactly lived up to what I, like, all of the good things that I had heard about this game. It's, uh, it's neat, it's fun, it's cute. And uh, it's and it's and it's challenging as well. Yeah, I think that's great to put it. I really, I, my last play through this game was such a blast, so I completely understand your excitement and enjoyment of it. Cool. All right, on to game of the quarter. So our game of the quarter for this quarter was Giants Citizen Kabuto. Wait, this it was. <laughs> this was uh, originally released on PC in. 2000 yeah it was also eventually released on ps2 um and uh that's about it so for anybody who's new game of the quarter is the uh is the one of four times a year where uh jay and i both play the same game and also uh any listeners who want to take part and, and send us their thoughts they also play it so we can all kind of since we since we don't usually play the same game it's kind of like our couple you know four times a year where we do so so we can kind of see what our thoughts are like uh on the same thing so giant citizen kabuto jay you want to uh you want to start us off not really give us <laughs> give, us some, back, give <laughs> us some background on giant citizen kabuto so giant citizens kabuto is a third person shooter um where you play as one of three different uh characters that reflect three different races um, the first character you play as, I don't actually know what the character's name was. I wasn't paying. Oh, is it? It's, um, I wrote it down. Oh gosh. I'm terrible with character names. So am I, especially for this one. It's like Boz. I think, yeah, it's Boz. B-A-Z. Okay. I, think is the I, name I remember that name. I didn't remember if that was you or the other guy, but that sounds right. So, um, I'm just going to throw it out. This game's pretty rough. Uh, it's visually, it's pretty rough. The graphics are pretty harsh and it's kind of hard to tell distance. I would say, and when I first got dropped in the game, I thought I loaded the. I thought I loaded an incomplete game because the first <laughs> level, the first level, you get dropped onto this island and you are starting to explore, but there's not really. It's just kind of like, hey, you have to go do this thing, and you're like, okay, and it's like you can use the map, and you're like, okay, but then you kind of like look, and there's like this beachhead, and there's some water, but then there's like this valley, and there's some trees, but then there's like these spiders there, and you're like, oh, okay, so you start killing the spiders, and then you kill their nests, and it's like, oh, this is kind of cool, it's kind of like MMO, you're just kind of like grinding at the beginning, you don't really get experience, so you're killing these mobs, and you're kind of moving around, and then you find the city, and you start fighting more complex mobs, and you start to do some of the story, or excuse me, you start to do the, the main quest, but it took me a little while to figure out where to go at the beginning, and it was pretty obvious once I figured it out, but the map was a little bit odd, and then I fell in the water, I don't know if you had any experience with the water, uh, I don't recall actually. Well, there's piranhas in there, and they kill you. And it was very difficult <laughs> to get out of the water once you were in the water, which is pretty funny. Um, but then you get to start seeing some of the cutscenes, and some of the humor in the cutscenes was pretty damn funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially once, so there's a quest where you, or there's a certain point where you get a jetpack. The controls for the jetpack are absolute dog shit and really weird. But you get this quest to save this dude's friends. And it's interesting because the entire time he's telling you about rescuing his friends, you're like, dude, where's my friend? Because you flew with your friend and he's missing. Yeah, that's your whole mission is to like find your missing friend. Yeah, you're trying to find your missing friend. And so he's like, well, I don't know, but go find my friend or go save my friends. They're hanging from these cliffs. And so you go (laughs) you go rescue his friends 
And you bring him all back, and he's like, thanks. And he's like, by the way, your friend's hanging on the edge over there. And he's, like, about to fall. And you're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why did you tell me that before? And he's like, well, I, I needed what I needed, right? And so you, you go rescue your friend, and then the story starts to progress from there. Um, I'll, I'll stop here. I'll let you kind of kind of jump in because I've been talking for a good amount of time. Uh, so I want to no, hear your thoughts. I think you can keep going if you want. But um, I, I, would dis- I disagree about the graphics. Um, oh, you liked them? Well, they don't hold up very well, definitely. But I was actually pretty impressed with what they were for a two th- for a year two thousand game, hmm. uh, especially on some of the levels shortly after this, where like where there's the sun in the background, like the sunrise and and like the way the rays are shining, that kind of stuff. I was actually I actually thought like wow, even though like the hills and everything are like really rough polygons, like. They, they they made this game look pretty good, like, with the lighting and the way, like, some, you know, this and that looks. Like, I feel like this actually looks kind of damn good for a game that came in the came out in 2000. <laughs> um, it definitely does lack in other areas. Like I said, the hills and mountains and stuff are extremely polygonal. There's not very much to the to, to most of the environments. It's usually just, like, hills and, and sky. And then they're, like, there's, sometimes there's some buildings and stuff. So... Yeah, uh, as far as like, kind of like you were saying, exploring and looking at the map and and walking around and just being like, oh, is this it? Like, is the game incomplete? Yeah, there's not that much to see, but there were certain specific times where I was like, oh, but this this right here looks pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think you might be beyond some, especially like the first level. I thought was extremely rough visually, and mm-hmm. I agree with you. It does definitely get better, especially when you start adding some lighting elements into it. But I don't know. I just that first level really just kind of touched me. It, it just like oh jesus like it just felt kind of brutal mm-hmm. um let's see what else notes what are the notes do i have on a second here oh i got a real halo vibe at the beginning of the game because i had no idea where it was going and i was like okay <laughs> well, like flying through space and like you got these dudes in these suits and they got guns i was like whoa this is kind of like halo like and it's, funny, it's it's interesting because it came out like you know what a year or two later after halo so i'm sure a lot of people uh, i like, think it was like a year before Oh, Didn't I thought Halo, Halo was like 99, wasn't it? Uh, I could be wrong. I think Halo came out in 2001. Oh, you're right. 2001. So it was actually okay. before. Yeah. Okay. All right around the same time. Um, What are the notes do I have? Let's see. Oh, uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but I found a lot of areas where you could just run through the enemies and you could just completely ignore them without them hitting you. I found a few spots like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I got really into I was like, oh, I could just skip this entire area. Like, oh, I don't need to fight this. They don't drop anything anyways. I, I skipped a lot of combat early on. I was like, this is this is kind of funny. I'm just kind of uh, running through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, I like the the, the jetpack. I was really happy that it was it refilled on its own. I thought it was going to be one of those things yeah. where you just had a, per, a certain amount of it, and then you run out of fuel, and you're just screwed. But it just has like a reload timer, which I was actually super excited to see because, you know, it's it's unrealistic, but it's also freaking nice to have, especially for for a game like this. Mm-hmm. yeah the um one thing that was kind of dumb is the uh the tree like the little bush disguise that you get oh yeah what the hell is that <laughs> exactly what the hell is that this does not do any good whatsoever like it's so build- obvious <laughs> it's, well, yeah that's, that's kind of funny it's so obvious um but i guess like you know the the bad guys don't really notice for whatever reason but like you move so slow and then where you know as eventually you got to come out of it because it uses up the same power as your jetpack, so you can only use it for a limited time. So you're gonna get like five feet past a guy and then have to just come out of it. And he's gonna see you anyways. Like there, I did not get any use whatsoever out of the little bush disguise. Yeah, I think it was intended to be used for like really one specific quest, and then afterwards I was just 
kind of. But even on that, well, even like head. on the quest, know, where I'm, you I'm get not it, saying you needed it. But yeah. <laughs> I know I got you. It was just yeah. funny because I'm just like, what? Yeah, I kept trying to use it and it kept screwing me up because I was like, well, clearly I'm supposed to be using this. And then finally, I just had to be like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna use this." And, and then I finally like started doing better on that mission. Yeah. Um, how far did you get into the game? Not very far. Probably okay. about. I got. Well, I don't know if you got this far. Um, I got to the first mission where you have a sniper rifle. Um, did, I don't you get think I got that far. I'm trying to okay. think. Yeah, it's. How, um, how are the controls for it for the sniper? Fine. You there, there's a zoom button that you can use with any gun. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really help you out much unless you're using the sniper rifle because other guns like accuracy, I guess. I don't know. I think the sniper rifle is like so much powerful maybe is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but you can zoom in with any gun. When you have the sniper rifle, you can like get headshots and stuff and it will kill them in one shot. Um, and it's this level where you're supposed to go around. You know, there's on, on some areas there's uh, they're, they're labeled barracks mm-hmm. and uh, bad guys come out of them until you kill the barracks. There's one mission where you have to like kill, like destroy eight barracks or something like that, and you get they give you a uh, a sniper rifle to like pick off some of the guys. And I just had a really rough time getting past this level. I tried it a bunch of times, kept getting killed because uh, I guess that brings us to another part of the game, which is the combat itself, which is I feel like the roughest part of the game. I can um, agree with that. There's really no way to like guarantee that you're not going to get shot. And even if you're just strafing and running around the whole time and then, and it doesn't take that many shots to kill you. So on this one particular level, you know, maybe in retrospect, I wasn't using the sniper rifle enough. I was trying to kind of conserve my ammo because you only get eight shots with it when you first get it. Um, so maybe I needed to be a little bit more aggressive on using the sniper rifle so I could pick more guys off and then not have as much to deal with, you know, on the ground. But, um, like it's kind of, it's really hard to hit moving enemies because, uh, your weapons just aren't that, um, accurate. And then also it's hard to tell exactly where to aim at a moving enemy because the bullets do take time to travel wherever they're going to. So it's, it's really, really hard to tell like how far you need to lead off on somebody who's running that kind of stuff that got a little frustrating. And even when they're sitting still sometimes while you're running, it's hard to like hit them exactly unless you're running directly at them and not side to side at all. In which case that also makes it really easy for them to hit you. So when you're fighting large groups of people, it comes, it gets really difficult pretty quickly. Did you, um, get the minigun or like the, the automatic, I don't know if it's a minigun specific. Okay. I want to say as well, they were kind of echoing your point. Yeah. You get overwhelmed in combat really, really easily. And it gets, it gets it happens very very quickly. So you go into a fight and you'll think like okay this is gonna be bad and then you'll you'll underestimate how many enemies there are and it's like so quick where you'll just get completely dropped. Yeah, and I, I had a lot of experience with that where I would just walk into an area I'm like picking off guys no big deal and then all of a sudden it's like there's suddenly three people and I'm just almost dead and I'm running for my life and I'm dead. And, and like you said it's very it's very difficult to dodge attacks or dodge bullets so it makes it really frustrating at times when they come out of nowhere because pretty much you're screwed the second you see that. Yeah, um, I didn't realize. The uh the first spot like the first store where you can get the the minigun or or whatever it is the automatic yeah. gun because it looks just like a generic building and so like I mm. kept on going past this this store because I thought it was just a random building 
And eventually, I don't remember how, but eventually I realized it was a story. It was on one of like, I think it was on the, I think it was maybe even on the level where you get the bush disguise, but I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. And you're supposed to go into the store and the store, it's a quote store. You literally just go in and pick whatever you want. You don't have to actually pay for stuff. There's no currency in the game, but uh, that's where you get the, this, the automatic rifle from. And I couldn't figure, I didn't know that for the longest time because I, I didn't know that was a store. So. I'll be honest with you, it took me some time too, so you're, really? you're not alone on that, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I don't know what else to say about it really. Like, I f- whenever I would play it, it, f- it feels pretty good to play. The controls feel pretty good. Um, for me, I didn't, I thought the graphics were fine. Uh, this, the, the like you said, the humor's pretty damn funny. But uh, yeah, the humor, is, humor is actually probably the most memorable part for me. Some of the, some of the lines are really funny, and some of the random shit, like when he he plants the flag in the mob, like that was pretty funny. Like there's a yeah. couple times I was laughing. I was just like, okay, like that's like actually funny. And, and when he hit the guy who like asked you to save his wife purely so that he has somebody to cook him dinner. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that kind of stuff was funny, but um. And again, the game feels good. The controls feel good until you get into combat and you have a hard ass time hitting anybody or not getting hit by anybody. And like you said, I think you, you, you phrased it really well. You get overwhelmed extremely quickly. Yep. Yeah. And out of nowhere. Um, like in all honesty, it just like happens out of nowhere. I was, ex- I, I kind of didn't feel like this was going to be the kind of game that I like. When I read about it, I thought I was going to enjoy it. People, this is a very well-received game from what I read. Like, there's a lot of high reviews. People, like, the actual description of the game, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be super fun. And then I got into it, I'm like, am I playing the right game? Like, this is not what I, (laughs) this is not what I expected. I had read those reviews, too, and I was like, okay, this is a really well-liked game. And then I saw it, and I was like, I just don't feel like I'm going to like, I don't feel like I'm going to like it, though. Once I, once I kind of got into it, I was like, oh, you know, actually, I can, I can kind of see, I can, this isn't bad. And then I got stuck in some of those spots where, again, you start getting overwhelmed and you're just like shit out of luck and there's yep. barely anything you can do. I was like, all right, this, 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 I feel like could be a little bit more fun if the combat was, was tweaked a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go or a good way to say it rather. So there's a uh, giant citizen Kabuto. We'll see what our listeners uh, have to say about it. When we get to the email section based, based on some of Jeff's comments, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if people agreed with us, but for, in fact, it's for, holy shit. Hold on. It's funny that you say that because I just checked Twitter and literally two minutes ago, Jeff sent us an email. I just realized I sent my email to the wrong email address. Dot, dot, dot. Again, please tell me you're going late and I made it in time. Tell him no. Robert's tweeting right now. Yeah. As you could probably assume. All right. Now it's time for our end of the year top threes. Very exciting. These and, and I love doing these and the, uh, and like the 25 years ago, top threes, yeah. top fives. These Those are, are time consuming, man. Holy, the 20, top 25. This is, these are my two favorite times of the year to do these top threes. Yeah, I agree with you. So instead of top fives this time, we're doing three top threes each. Uh, as you probably know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, but uh, at the end of the year for our last episode, we do uh, our top three favorite games of the year that favorite games that we played for the podcast this year that we had never played before. We also do our top three favorite games that we played for the podcast that we had played before 
and then the the three worst games that we played for the podcast this year. The order we usually go, I think, is is the way that I like to do it. If you're good with it, Jay, is we'll start off with uh, the three best that we had already played before. Yep. Then we'll go to three worst because that's fun, and then we'll finish on a high note, which is the three three new ones that we discovered that were the best that we had never played before. I like it. All right. Um, I'll start us off because I might have you um, take over a little bit on the emails because my throat is already starting to go out a bit. So uh, if it's cool with you, I'm going <laughs> to kick this off with, um, shit, where's my list? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what the fuck? If I can um, find my list. Oh, here we uh, No. What the fuck? All right. Just give me like 45 minutes to find my. Um... <laughs> to redo it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So we're starting off with our top three games that we played for the podcast in 2018 that we had played before. My number three is NHL 94. You just, I mean, this is one of the best sports games ever made. And I remember, I I remembered really liking it a whole lot, you know, when I was younger and playing this. Um, And I knew it was, I had a feeling it was going to stand up at least pretty well. But man, playing it, especially uh, with a friend that I had over that was playing it with me that also used to play it, you know, when it originally came out, it holds up so well. The controls feel so good. The gameplay is like extremely well balanced besides that one kind of cheap shot that you can do that basically makes it 100% of the time. But um, wow, like this game stands up extremely well and it's just and it was super fun to begin with. I'm happy to hear you put that on your list because I actually didn't put it on mine specifically for the reason that uh, I assumed you were going to talk about it. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> we, we both... Uh, anyways. Um, so my number three, Duke Nukem 3D. It, it was... Uh, I had a couple oh, games shit. that... I had five and I was like, eh, Duke Nukem was fun, but it wasn't comparable to some of the other games. And then I played it again today and I got further in the game and I got to a couple parts that were just making me laugh and I'm like, okay, this game has to be on this list. Like I spent countless hours playing as a kid I spent a bunch of hours the last... I mean, I played this over playing my Switch for on a, a couple of days. Like, it was... Wow. They're not a couple of days, for one day. But uh, it, it is a very, very fun game. And as I've talked about earlier on the podcast, just just all around super duper fun game. Sweet. All right. My number two is Super Mario World. I mean, what, what do you have to say about... What, what, can, what can I say about it? You know, like, everybody knows that this game is awesome. Um, my favorite Mario game out of all of them. I think it's uh, this, like the, the way that I always describe it is when super Mario three came out, it was like worlds better than anything that came out before it. It blew everything out of the water. And then they took like an equal leap, if not probably even a greater leap from that one to super Mario world. When the super Nintendo came out, this game was just at the time, especially it was so far beyond like any, particularly any Mario game, but you know, any platformer game that had come out until then. And it still holds up extremely well. It looks fantastic. The art, the colors, the graphics, the, the platforming is super fun. There's, you know, lots of different, uh, well, not lots, but there's, you know, multiple different t- types of, uh, like of power-ups that you can get. The bad guys are fun. The bosses are okay. This, this, there's so many secrets in this game. Yep. I'll it's, agree with uh, that for sure. It's like, there's, 
almost just nothing wrong with this game. Yeah, and I will say one of the you were talking about comparing it to Super Mario Three. They basically took any complaints people had of Super Mario Three and absolutely fixed them. It's it's just, it's just a a substantially better game. It's like a lot of developers are like, okay, they're going to re- release a newer one. They're going to fix a lot of mistakes and maybe add some new features. It was like they fixed a lot of the issues of the, of the, the third game from the regular Nintendo. And then they went leaps and bounds above. And I, yeah. you hit it right on the head. The secrets, the all the different secrets in that game make it play replayable over and over and over, just trying to figure out different secrets. And every time I start that game, I just, I love it. Like the first world is just such a blast and the game just gets better and better. Yep. I think it's a great one. Uh, my number two is Advance Wars 2. Uh, this, you know, I talked about this obviously earlier. Seer Advance Wars is an incredible uh, turn-based strategy game for, for the handheld. Uh, this game holds up very, very well. The graphics are, are cartoony, so they hold up well for the time. The music's great. The interaction with the storyline, I don't really care about it. It's, I, I believe it's okay. I, I really don't know too much about it, even though I've played it a few times. But just the skirmishes, doing the extra maps, um, grinding some of these levels, some of these really difficult levels where it's, you're just at such a disadvantage, makes this game super-duper fun. There's a lot of strategy goes into it. The different characters have different abilities or different strengths and weaknesses, which allows you to come up with different strategies. Uh, it's just all around an amazing, amazing strategy game. And anybody who is into that genre, this is a must-play for sure. This is top three, top five must-play strategy games if you're into them. Nice. All right, number one is going to be... This is a game that I didn't realize I had played before until I got about halfway through, and I was like, oh, shit, I actually remember this, and I remember that. That's funny. This was The Curse of Monkey Island. A (laughs) fucking fantastic game. Uh, It's in my favorite video game series of all time. It is... Not my favorite game of the series, but it is arguably one of the best. It's arguably the best, even though it's not my own personal favorite. Um, but this, they 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 nailed it. Like they kept this. I mean, they had a high, uh, they had like a high calling to live up to in this game, and they made exactly what you would have expected them to. They uh, they they completely lived up to the monkey island name this is the third installment of the monkey island series and all the puzzles are are fun there's not much bullshit the the graphics are very different from the first two games but uh still very good uh even though it's much more cartoony and i do kind of prefer the the more pixelized style of the first two games they did a fantastic job with it the game again is funny the story is good it's the the puzzles are for the most part very very fair uh, just everything about this game, they they just they did it extremely well. So definitely, the Curse of Monkey Island is the best one that I had already played before. It's awesome to hear you talk about that game. You know, you don't get too many options to talk about in the podcast since you've played a lot of them before. But glad yeah. to hear it. Yep. Um, my number one is Roller Coaster Tycoon. I, I <laughs> oh nice. I based on a couple things. I mean, I I went through and just kind of looked at the games and I like kind of had some flashbacks of like how positively how excited was i about this game and then the, the second thing I put into it was how much time did i spend on these games this game i spent an exorbitant amount of time and I, I i think this game is such a well-developed well-rounded game and obviously i've talked about this recently because i only played it less i think like maybe a month ago it was the last step it was the last episode oh, was it last episode jesus okay yeah 
Um, this is such a complete game, though. I mean, you have the visual elements, you have the, the sound effects that are still pretty exciting. The music obviously can get repetitive, but just the overall design of the park and hiring people and, you know, strategizing and having all this data that helps you support what you want to do with your park and expanding and taking out debts and paying them back and researching new rides and all these different commodities, even just uh, researching aesthetics so you can make your park visually look cooler. And it, it's just, I will say the only thing that I'll criticize about this game is it is very easy, which I believe it's intended to be so until you get to the later seconds, or excuse me, later uh, sections or, or levels. But um, all around, this is just a well-executed game and it, it still holds up really, really well. I am I know they have made mobile versions of this game and I haven't tried them. I'm tempted to try them just because I think this game could do very well in a mobile platform, but they probably will screw it up and get greedy and do something stupid like we talked about with um, Katamari. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic game, though. Do you? I, I really want to play um, specifically Roller Coaster Tycoon Two. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll play that? Are you playing? I may have already asked you that. Do you think you'll play that um, anytime? Um, it's possible. Wait, the second one. The second one. Um, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. It it just depends on how how much I feel like playing them again. Because I, I spent a good amount of time on Roller Coaster Tycoon and Corkscrew um, Follies, so I might. It just depends on if I get the, the itch to do it again. Okay. All right. Well, those are our best that we had already played before at some point. Yep. So you've heard us talk about them before. So now it's time to uh, talk about the worst games that we played for the podcast this year. Uh, you want me to start again? Um, I'll go first. Okay. Um, my number three was Mr. Nuts. This was uh, oh. <laughs> this game was. I'm sorry. I know there were some people that talked somewhat highly of this game, and it did have okay reviews. I'm just game, sad because it has the best name of any game. Oh, Mr. Nuts. Yeah, this is a game we played for, I want to say, the second quarter of the year. Was it? May have been the first. Oh, was it really that early? Jesus. I, I think um, it was. Um, no, it was even before that. Wait, was that this year? Okay, that was. That was this year, though, right? There's I'm no way that was last year. Sure. Okay, but but you know what this was for? This wasn't for uh, a game of the quarter. Was this, this a was, fan request? It, no, it was we oh, okay, both. Good. It was we did randomized picking. Okay, this was for this was in January 30th that we okay, played. Okay, good. So, yeah. Um, I thought you were about to say it was either a fan pick or it was game of the quarter of like the end of last year or something. <laughs> no, what it was, it, this was the first time that we randomly picked games to play. But you and I did separate games. Okay, we each we each like rolled dice or whatever it was, and 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 like you know ran through Wikipedia's list of video yeah. games or something. And I ended up playing Clock Tower, and you played Mister Nuts. Okay. Oh, that's right. You didn't play this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, this game was just was just subpar. It, it's a um, it's a it's a side scrolling platformer, and the overall game just it, it, it's. When I think of going back and playing platformers, I think of, of some specific titles, and I think that there are certain elements that make them good. And this game was just lacking overall. the The graphics weren't that great. The uh, animation or the animations of your character weren't that great. The uh, the actions or like the types of attacks you can do just were kind of felt kind of slow. The enemies were boring. It, it, it's just not a high caliber game. And 
it just didn't it's not memorable other than the fact that it's called mr nuts like that's the most memorable part about this game is just the title because it's funny <laughs> yeah it's spelled with a z by the way yeah with a z yeah that's right with a z <laughs> yeah very i mean i think that pretty much sums it up the best part about the game is the title yeah all right that's unfortunate but uh not very surprising uh, i guess my number i saw so, <clears throat> i don't know about you but looking back i didn't have any like obvious laugh out loud hilariously bad like this game was a pile of shit mm. i had some pretty bad ones as we'll talk about right now but um i didn't have any kind of like almost like as bad as i wish i did but uh i definitely had some bad ones my number three is in excess make my video this oh, is this? <laughs> this was the sega cd game of the make my video series they did one with in excess they did one with crisscross and they did one with uh, with Marky Mark. And um, I played the NXS one. And it's just... Um, I, I, I'm Probably most people have heard the episode. You make a music video for the band. But the, as you can kind of guess, the music video making slash editing capabilities are very limited. And that's all there is to it. And there's... They make a game out of it besides just, hey, make, you know, make a video. Uh, it's like you have to make a video that pleases these people that are in this bar and it's basically impossible. Well, very difficult to please the people that you're making the video for and, and they don't like your video. Right? Yeah, they don't yeah, exactly. They don't really give you much instruction and then like the the acting it's it's full motion video which has some does have some hilariously bad acting and stuff like that which is kind of fun to watch. But uh overall just just not a good game. Yep, doesn't surprise me. It's on your list. Yep. Um, for me, my number two was actually the original Gauntlet. Uh, there was a couple. Reasons. I know, I know, I don't know. I know this game. Some people really like it, and I can understand spe- specific pieces of it. But this game was just really frustrating to me, and there were a lot of a lot of almost unwinnable situations. I felt like because there were these certain uh, structures that spawned enemies. And the second you see them, like your camera pans to where you can see them, they start spawning mobs. So if you pass by a room that has one of those in it, but you're not ready to go in there because you don't have a key or you don't have the way in yet, they just start spawning mobs. And it gets so overwhelming so quickly. And then you're trying to work your way in to try and kill it. And you're taking a ton of damage. And it's just a really frustrating game. And I feel like it's one of those games where you have to play it many, many times to figure out the direct routes to beat the levels in order to progress and get far enough into the game. And I was just like, it wasn't worth the investment of my time. To, it, I wasn't even interested in doing it. It just really didn't draw me in, which was kind of sad because I'm you know, i a huge fan of some of the later installments of Gauntlet. Yeah. And, and I can understand it's obviously the roots, so there's you know the limited capabilities. But... I would more likely never give this a shot again. Unless I played in the arcade with other people in person, then maybe I would give it a shot. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, just all in all, just kind of like... Mm. The only reason that makes me so sad is because I know how much you love the Gauntlet game oh, in yeah. general. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Um, let's see. Back to my list. Ah, okay. Number two for me is Checkered Flag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this isn't really surprising because it's not a well-known game by any means. It's just a random racing game for the Atari Jaguar. But beside being pretty vanilla as far as racing games go and not really having anything that makes it stand out, um, beyond that, this is the game that I told you about that had the absolutely horrendous frame rate. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I'm talking, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 10 frames per second. Like, like, if it's 20 frames per second, that's absolutely the max that it was. It's just, again, in racing games, FPS is pretty important, so you can see what's happening and, and, you know, uh, react accordingly before you crash into something. The, uh, The best anecdote I have from playing the game on how bad the frame rate is, is there were more than one time, there was more than one time where I got passed by a car, you know, and obviously went down a place in the race and I didn't even know that a car passed me. The only way I knew that was by seeing my place change on the number. Uh, I didn't even see see the car drive by. So that for that reason alone, again, checkered flag, I didn't expect much from it, but it was pretty terrible. Yeah, I'm not surprised to see it on your list, to be honest with you. Yeah. All right, number uh, one, the worst game that you played this year for the podcast, Jay. I'm, I'm yep, that's going to be Delta Force. Uh, Delta Force Oh, is, wow, really? Yeah, this game was pretty subpar. So Delta Force is a first-person shooter that um, I originally played the demo for way back in the day and had a lot of fun with it. And then me and my brother actually ended up getting the game, um, played a decent amount, and I didn't remember very much about it because I, I just remember playing the demo over and over and over prior to us purchasing it. Uh, but then I played it again for the podcast recently, and it just was not really anything super special about it. It was very simplistic. Um, the graphics are pretty brutal. There is some destructible um, objects, which is kind of cool, and you know the ability to use um, your different weapons was kind of cool. But it just—it was another game that it, it's not like the worst game of all time, but it just didn't wow me. If I'm going to spend time going back and playing, you know, a specific a specific FPS. Um, it's got to be something really good in order to, to justify the graphics and a lot of times the mechanics and just the capability of the game. And this game just just didn't do it. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it to a friend. Probably wouldn't recommend it to an enemy because it's not to that degree, but it just just didn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not certain. Like, I remember kind of having fun with this game when it came out because one, yeah. uh, one of my friends had it, but... Yeah, it doesn't surprise me to hear that it doesn't hold up especially well. Yeah, it just doesn't have that that feature. It doesn't have. It's just missing a couple of elements that just make you make you want to play it. You know, this this far along afterwards. Uh huh. All right, my last one is you know honestly probably well I'd say it's not as bad as Checkered Flag, but <laughs> but your expectations are much higher going into it. So uh, it's Interesting. it's worse. From that com- from that perspective, this yeah. is you remember my uh out of my the games that I had already played my number one best one was the Curse of Monkey Island. Uh-huh. Well, unfortunately, the worst game I played this year I'm gonna have to go with Escape from Monkey Island, which is <laughs> the fourth game of the series and the final one of all the Lucas Arts games, the last Monkey Island game, and and unless you count the uh the ones that Telltale made, but. This game, like I said, it's it's not absolutely horrendous, really, but it's just boring all the way through. I was just constantly just bored by this game. All the time that I was playing it, all I was thinking about was, I don't want to be playing this. I would rather be playing something else. Uh, this, it's Monkey Island. It's in 3D this time. The controls suck. The story is not good. The humor's all right still, but none of the characters are interesting, which characters are always a big part of the Monkey Island games. They're all of the other Monkey Island games have 
lots of really funny and crazy and interesting characters. This one, all the characters are boring as shit. Hmm. And the puzzles are also lame. The uh, the game is a chore to play. Just even moving around, going through your inventory. It's kind of a hassle just to control the game. Um, there was something else. Uh, but but just... Oh, and, so, and, and a few... And there are... Again, every Monkey Island game does have one or two bullshit puzzles. This one had some that were... Not even necessarily bullshit, but just like extremely tedious. Um, and so just like the, the, like the ending is even ridiculous by monkey Island standards. It's so stupid the way it ends. Ridiculous in a bad way. It sounds like, yeah, like spoilers, the, the very end, you're fighting a giant monkey robot. Uh, or, you know, I actually, I don't even remember. Maybe you are the monkey robot and you're fighting some other, I don't even fucking remember. It's just fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, this game, it's just not good. It's every, like, again, to, to, to say it concisely, because that's what I'm terrible at. It's just boring. <laughs> and again, technically I would probably say, yeah, if I had to play this or checkered flag for, you know, an hour. I would pick this, but my ex- expectations for Checkered Flag are not much. My expectations for a Monkey Island game are kind of astronomical. <laughs> so this one, by comparison to what you would expect out of it, is is a much worse game. Makes sense. I'm sad to say. All right, Jay, it's time to it's time for the grand finale here. The best games we played for the podcast this year that we had never played before. Yep. You want to uh, you want to kick us off? Sure. Or you want me? To, you want me to go? My number three. Yeah, no, it's fine. My number three. Um, I played a little bit prior to this, but it was still relatively new to me, and I hadn't invested as much time um, as some of the other games. And it, it was a tough third place. But my number three is Mega Man Two. Uh, Mega Man Two is just an all around exceptional game, especially in the series. And I touched on it a little bit when I was younger, but not enough to really get a taste of how great this game is. And I was absolutely blown away with how fun, how fun this game was and just kind of the replayability of it and just the overall mechanics of it were, were really, really fun. Hell yeah. That's a, that's a really good game. Do you have any, before we start talking more about these, do you have any honorable mentions that you feel like any, any ones that you had to leave out that you really didn't want to, that you would like to get off your chest? Not not enough to yeah I was gonna say not enough to not not really to be honest with you there are a couple that are like eh but no not enough to to make me really want to talk about them okay I did have one so I'll go ahead and give that sure. one a shout out right now that was typing of the dead <laughs> the Dreamcast game where you use the Dreamcast keyboard and you type really fast oh, to yeah. shoot zombies and stuff like that um really creative game really unique unique game really hilarious game and also fun so that kind of I put I there were, I have three games that are better than that that were fantastic, but this is a very solid fourth, uh, and I I want to give that some recognition because I had so much fun playing Typing of the Dead. Cool. Uh, but my number three, you'll be happy to hear this is Advance Wars. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'd heard many good things about this. I mean, I even remember you know back when it came out. You know, I didn't have a Game Boy Advance when they came out originally, just cause you know, I wasn't really interested in handhelds at that time, but I remember hearing so much about how good advance wars was. And, um, 
And I've heard you talk about it plenty, of course. So I finally played it and it, it completely lived up to the expectations, which were pretty high. It's a really fun game, kind of addicting, very challenging. Uh, There's a lot of strategy involved, a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of depth to it because there are so many different types of units. You have to remember kind of what counters what. Um, just just really fun game in, in, in every way. And I'm a sucker for strategy games, so this one this one really hooked me. You and me both. <laughs> All right, um, number two? My number two might surprise you. This is Quest for Glory. I actually had Whoa. quite a bit of, I actually had quite a bit of fun with this game. I spent more time in this game than I thought I was going to. I got more involved in this game than I wanted to, and I actually enjoyed certain elements of it. It it did get repetitive. Some of the combat was, you know, obviously you know the combat mechanics, but yeah, combat's uh, a little combat, rough. Combat's a little rough. But the overall exploring of the town, some of the interactions you have were were pretty cool. They were, they were very they were very interesting to me, especially as somebody who doesn't play a lot of this type of game or this genre of game. It was a refreshing experience, and I actually invested quite a bit of time trying to figure out different things, especially when I started to figure out that events happen at certain times during the day. I spent a lot more time um, in this game just trying to do different things, it, kind of like Majora's Mask. I would explore the town at different times during the day to see oh, yeah. if there were unique interactions or, or different events. Um, I ultimately didn't beat this game, but I actually enjoyed the time that I spent on it quite a bit, um, and I did read more about it after I stopped playing just to kind of get an understanding of how the game closes out. and. It seems like a pretty well-rounded game. It, it like overall, it seemed like the way they closed it out was pretty well received, and I, I thought it was pretty damn fun. Cool. I'm 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 glad to hear that. But yeah, that does kind of surprise me. I I obviously, as you know, I really didn't care for it, and I didn't think yeah. you would either because of you know obviously you're not really big into point and click adventures. Um. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Cool. All right, my number two is going to be Pikmin. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Honestly, it was really close call for me between this and Advance Wars. I wasn't sure which one I liked better than the other. They're both fantastic games. Um, and depending on when you ask me, I may I may switch them around. But ultimately, Pikmin won me over because, as I talked about earlier, it has like such a high charm factor. Just be just like the way the game looks, all the colors of the game, the kind of like the innocent nature of it, but also combined with like some like sort of like really harsh stuff at the same time. Uh, I like how they kind of combine puzzle and strategy. Uh, just the 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 layouts of the areas are really cool, and and even those are puzzles in and of themselves. I just and it holds up well. Don't forget that. Oh yeah, it holds up extremely well, uh, surprisingly well. So, really, if it were if if this one didn't have so much damn charm, I might put Advance Wars over this. <laughs> uh, but it would be I don't know. It would still be really close because gameplay yeah, for I both of these games is absolutely fantastic. It's fun. It's challenging. There's yeah. yeah I completely completely agree with you. Yeah, so I mean, for, honestly, for me, these games are basically tied. But if I have to put one over the other, I'll, I'll give Pikmin second place uh, and, and Advance Wars third. All right, Jane, time to talk about the number one best fantasticest game that you played for the uh, podcast in the year 2018. Robert, we're going to need you to hold my hand here because we're going to go back uh, several months this year. Uh, to the time that I played a PlayStation 2 game that I really knew nothing about, uh, that Lisa actually introduced me to. Hmm. This is Odin Sphere. 
Oh, this game this. is ridiculous. I still because I was looking through this list and I'm like, man, what am I? What is my number one? And the second I saw, it, I was like, there it is, without question. That was the, the, this was the best new game that I had never played before. Odin Sphere has amazing graphics for the time. Still, to, in my opinion, obviously holds up very, very well. The storyline is interesting. The combat is is unique. It's it's challenging. It's extremely challenging. And the overall campaign is is challenging itself, which is not a common thing. Usually the campaigns are kind of like tutorials where they hold your hand the whole time. This game is brutal, man. This game gets very, very difficult. And if you if you don't do things correctly, you can get into some pretty rough situations. Uh, the combat is challenging. It's refreshing. It's there's a lot to it that you, you they can go into it. You can, you know, kind of run around and kite things and, and poke at them, or you can go and directly engage on things. There, there's a lot to this game. And the crazy, crazy part about it is I invested a good amount of time into this. And a lot of people told me that the game gets even better. There's more to it as you go, as you get deeper into it. And I, I think at some point I will go back and, and play this game all the way through. But this is a fantastic title. I was so surprised at how fun this was and, it, and the fact that I barely even heard of it at the, when, I, when I played it. Just an all-around great game. Hell yeah. That, I remember you talking about this, and it sounded super interesting, and the graphics look awesome. Yeah, so um, good for the time. Yeah. And I believe there's voice acting, too, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong, but I think there was voice acting. Oh, the voice acting, by the way, on uh, Giant Citizens Kabuto was really good, I thought, at the time. Oh, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The voice acting on that game, that's a good point. Yes, thank you for saying that. That, that, was, that was It was pretty damn good, yeah. But uh, I really hope to play Odin Sphere sometime, sometime next year because uh, we're looking at recommend. it and, and hearing what yeah it sounded and looked really good. Yeah. All right, I'm glad to hear that. My number one, the best game that I played in 2018 for the podcast that I had never played before is Street Fighter Three Third Strike. Mm. Oh, wow! Man. Above Advance Wars and uh, Pikmin. Damn. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously different and better in in better in different ways. Um, but to me, you know, I love Street Fighter, and it took me way too long to finally play uh, Third Strike. And it really like Street Fighter Two was a phenomenal game, and this one just did it better. It's how it's it looks better, it plays a little better. It's uh, it's got a few like more creative characters. The backgrounds are fantastic. Um. Yeah, I just absolutely loved it because I'm kind of a sucker for 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 the old Street Fighter games, and this one, sure. like, it still feels close enough to Street Fighter Two that I still get that same you know the same kind of feeling from playing it, but like just everything is just better about it. So, and Street Fighter Two is one of my favorite games ever, and this one is just yeah, that's how I was really surprised honest, to hear this to be honest, just honestly you. better, yeah. So uh, yeah, I I I thought this was a fantastic game. You know, obviously depending on on my mood, I wouldn't say like I would a hundred percent always pick this over Pikmin or Advance Wars. It depends on what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, I mean, they're different genres, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 different. So you know, but overall, yeah, I'd say this was I I placed this higher than those two, and you know, without even really questioning it too much. Gotcha. Great list. Great lists, both of them. Yeah, these were, like I said, I always love doing these end of the year ones. All right. You ready for, uh, for emails? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's, let's go into these suckers.
We'll start off with um, uh, another email from NOS. He, I think last week was his, or last episode was his first time to write in. I'll start, I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off with this one. Okay. Hello, Rob and Jay. NOS here. I hope you guys are having a great evening. The last episode with Chase was very enjoyable and you should include him in another future episode. Okay. Thank you for the uh, feedback, NOS. Yeah, thank you very much. I had played Roller Coaster Tycoon as a kid and had not thought about it in years. After hearing Jay talk about his experience, it brought, it brought back many memories of my old park. I remember making it up to year 22 in my park. Holy shit. That's a long time. <laughs> Is that long? Yeah. I think that's like at least 15 hours of gameplay. <laughs> Until hearing this podcast, I had no idea there were actual objectives, and I would just continue building my park indefinitely. I was about 10 at the time, so hopefully I get a pass. I wonder if he was, was, it, was he playing maybe like an open? Yeah, there's like a skirmish type where it's just like you just build and build and build. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what he was playing. My retro gaming news for this week. I just, I recently purchased a Street Fighter 2 arcade cabinet. Oh, Robert. From, from Arcade 1-Up. Oh, I've seen these. It plays like a regular arcade cabinet at just three-fourths the size. It is small for an adult, so you will need a chair to sit down and play, but great for kids. They offer a tasteful riser to lift it up by approximately one foot if you prefer to stand while playing. Hmm. The quality of the cabinet is great. It doesn't seem like they cut corners with any cheap materials, and assembling it only took about an hour by myself. It comes with Street Fighter II Champion Edition, New Challengers, and Turbo. It's officially licensed by Capcom, and in my limited knowledge, it plays like the arcade version and is not an emulation of console versions. The difficulty... Alone is very apparent because the CPU kicks my ass the same way it did in the arcades. The <laughs> LCD monitor is a welcoming addition of modern technology incorporated with the Retro Classic. My only issue is when playing with a friend, you need to be standing at an angle as to not bump shoulders. Mm. Uh, aside That's from this, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, aside from this downside, it's a great machine for $300. Oh, wow. That's pretty good for $300. Bucks. And, ha- and I have no regrets buying it. I've always wanted my own arcade cabinet, and this was perfect without spending thousands of dollars and will be even better once I tear it apart and add more games to it. Uh, yeah, I've seen those. Those look really cool. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it, NOS. Yeah, congrats on the purchase, damn. My retro gaming suggestion for the week, Mystical Ninja for N64. Oh, yeah, I love Gomes. Yeah, I love Mystical Ninja. Uh, it's a platforming action-adventure game similar to Mario 64. You play as... What am I Go. thinking? What's the Super Nintendo game that's like this? Oh, is he talking that's about the... legend of that's legend of the mystical ninja, right? Yeah, okay, there's he's... he's talking about the N64 one, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I played that one as well. Okay. Um, I haven't heard much about this one. I don't, I don't even know if I it, really it's it really one. quirky. It's super freaking. It, it, it's a funny game. Like, <laughs> like you get to one part where you get to summon this robot to fight another robot, like a like um almost like a transformer and the music is ridiculous it's so just foreign it's so it, it, it's a really comical game <laughs> the, uh, a little over the top the but cover the cover looks kind of yeah, ridiculous that's the main character, the main character. <laughs> he looks he's making like the biggest mouth, like right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> his mouth makes me laugh yeah. uh you play as goma how do you pronounce it goman goman i think i don't i've always said goman, goman but i don't know if that's that that's correct that's just what yeah. i called as a we'll child. go with that you play as Goman, who is trying to fight off Shoguns from destroying Japan. And honestly, I have no damn clue about any more of the plot except for that. Yep, me too. <laughs> the game shines with its great level designs, interesting characters, and sense of humor. I've often found myself chuckling 
at some of the dialogue and situations yep. your team ends up in. There, there's, fast, a guy you can, there's a guy you can go to as well. He's like a fortune fortune teller. And when you go into the building, it's like a shop. He he like is in the background at a distance, kind of small, and he grows very quickly. And he goes, Kudabra! And it's like, the first time we were, my friend and I went in, they were like, the fuck is this like what, what, what if, like that just that explains what's going on you're like oh okay now i know what this room is for <laughs> i've yeah. often found myself chuckling at some of the dialogue and situations your team ends up in oh. from fast traveling to, uh, on a dragon to fighting first person in a giant robot this game yep, is full <laughs> this game is full of exciting moments and challenges and is highly recommended if you and Jay haven't played it. I, I will more than likely give it a shot again uh, in the near future. Probably within the next year, I would say, for sure. Because it, it, it's a very fun game, and I have a lot of fond memories this playing it. sounds cool. Yeah. This will be my number one game I would love to see you guys review, as it is another game that is severely underrated, in my opinion. Uh, my question for the week. What is your favorite couch co-op game of all time? Ooh, couch co-op. Oh. Damn. Uh, whew. Couch co-op. Oh, Dynasty Warriors, without question. I, I spent probably oh, yeah. my my friends and I. Oh my god, I, it's, it's embarrassing how much time we spent on this. We on long weekends, my friend would come to stay at my house, and like Friday night, we'd get out, we'd out of school three thirty or whatever, get home at four. We'd play from four until like three or four in the morning. Go to bed until like nine or eight, eight or nine in the morning. The next morning, get up and do the same thing for like eighteen hours straight. We would play Dynasty yeah, Warriors man. for like bricks at a time and just have so much fun with it and just oh my god i i it's embarrassing how much time i've invested into into dynasty warriors but in honesty it was unbelievably fun i'm trying to i i probably would need more time to come up with a better answer but a couple that come to mind if we're talking of all time so as far as classic games go geez i'm sure there are plenty of better ones but the first one that comes to mind for me is Turtles in Time. Mm. Um, if you're talking non-classic, then one that I've had a lot of fun with in the past year or two is uh, is Overcooked, mm. um, where you're where you're trying to uh, like cook meals for a restaurant really fast, and it's two of you running around in the kitchen like yelling at each other, telling each other what to do. Uh, you know, for that matter, another one, a good one that you and I have been playing a little bit recently is uh, Keep Talking and No One Explodes. Oh, that's a classic, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I that counts as that couch work, co-op, man. but... <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I, I've been trying to get them to approve it for a while, because I think it's an amazing team-building thing. Like, just the communication aspect alone, I think, is well worth the time. But they yeah. won't do it because of, the obviously, the premise. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the, those are the ones that, that come to mind instantly. I, I'm sure... Uh, you know, I guess also... I don't know if you would count this as co-op, but, like, playing team uh, Halo, like, multiplayer Halo... 2v2, 4v4, you know, if you have a couple Xboxes that you can hook up together. Or I guess you wouldn't hook up the Xboxes together, but it was like, I don't remember how it worked, but you could yeah, play I think over you're actually right. I, I think you were right early on. You had to do that, but you're wrong. So, somehow you could hook them up and play more than just 2v2 on the, on the yeah. original Halo, because we did that uh, in my dorm. That's a, that, that, those, like that and Halo 2 were both really fun for that. Yeah. Those are the ones that come to mind for me. He says, I'm going to cheat a bit here and say mine is Starcraft 64. This was... <laughs> you were the first person to tell me that you enjoyed playing Starcraft yeah, 64. Yeah, I've never heard until just now anything positive about Starcraft I, I'm, I am impressed. The, that, this was the first Starcraft game I owned. 
and I got it used wow. from EB Games in early middle school. I played the hell out of this game. I'm very How? sorry. I'm very sorry. You must be the best that. RTS player of all time. <laughs> me serious. and friends. That's impressive. Me and, you know what would be fun? They should do like like a pro tournament where they have to play the uh, 64 version of StarCraft. Oof, that, that could go like... south real quick. <laughs> uh, me and friends would, would play co-op against the CPU split screen for hours after school and all night on weekends. I didn't get a laptop until two years later where I finally got to see why uh, the PC version was superior. As they say, ignorance is bliss, and I wouldn't trade a single minute from the joy StarCraft 64 brought me and my friends. Wow. I know I said I wouldn't write uh, a long email last time, but I lied. That's all for me this week. Hope you guys have a great new year, and I'll see you all in 2019. It's not a bad thing to lie about. Thank you for the email. Yeah, thank you. Um, Do you remember when they used to, every once in a while, I think like, I'm sure... I feel like TLO probably did this, but I also remember something where they had some Korean players on GSL do this with like, they would play against fans, but they had to like, they had like ridiculous handicaps. handicaps. Yeah. yeah. Where like There was one, I forgot who it was. It might've even been Marine King, but he had to play, he had to play wearing oven mitts. Oh yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> that would be fun to have them play. Like just, just have like something stupid like that where they had to play the 64 version of Starcraft. Oh, all right, uh, here, I'm going to share this with you so you can read the next one. Oh, the link's not working. You're going to have to read it. <laughs> uh, sorry, podcast is over. Let's uh. All right, here we go from Father Beast. There you go. All right, Father Beast says, Hello, Classic Gaming Podcast. This is Father Beast. I'm bringing to you a little bit of catching up in the top fives as of late. Somehow I've been tired and not very timely with them, so here we go. Top five games ahead of their time. Number five, Lemonade slash King. These are two games from way back, seemingly available on just about every computer. I think they're I think they they were written in basic. Um, they are so similar that I lumped them together. Also, this can count as my number five business sim also. Lemonade has you run a lemonade stand entirely in text. You borrow $50 from your mom to start, with which you can buy lemons and sugar, which make a certain amount of lemonade. With each day, you get a forecast on the weather, and you can decide how much to charge for each cup of lemonade. Less people will buy if you charge too much, but more people will buy when it's hotter, so, the, so it's a balancing act. At the end of summer, you can count your money and see if you can pay your mom back. King puts you as the ruler of a city, also with a text interface. You start with a certain population, a certain number of sheaves, of grain and a certain number of acres of land. It takes one sheave of grain to plant one acre of land and the rest you can feed your people with or use to buy more land or try to keep it for the next year. If you don't feed your people enough, some will starve or move away. If you overfeed your people, more more get either born or move to the city. Harvests vary in how good they are, including the dreaded drought, famine. This probably got its ultimate expression and graphical interface with Santa Paravia. Uh, we're sorry. I, I was looking at something else for some highlight Highlighted, highlighted. Uh, Santa per, Paravia, I guess. Right. Okay. Uh, number four, Dune Two. Ah, uh, the original RTS game. But did you know that it had a it had three asymmetrical sides? This was a feature not even attempted again until StarCraft. Everyone seemed to make RTS games with only two sides. 
Number three, Crestron. I played this on the Commodore 64 and it had everything that was later copied by everyone who made the top-down RPG where you walk around the countryside, fight random, oh, excuse me, where you walk around the countryside, fight random monsters, sell loot or gamble in cities and learn about the ultimate evil you must eventually defeat. It had the mini games you could play to increase your stats and some very inventive gatekeeping to keep you from getting to the later areas. I'm not actually aware of anything similar that came before, but I may be wrong. It also made the early mistakes too. Later games, including its own sequel, put a limit on how much gold you could carry around. I remember my brother would gamble until the gold amount in the display would spill over into the next line and corrupt the graphics. <laughs> That's hilarious. Number two, Colossal Cave Adventure. This is the granddaddy of all text adventures. This one even predates Zork, but it made all the tropes. Uh, but it made all the tropes that were used in in the issuing text adventures, such as Zork and Adventureland. And number one, Master of Orion. This is one of my favorite games of all time and caused caused the worst case of turn lock. Just one more turn I have ever experienced. My son asked me how I could just play an hour of Factorio without it sucking up my entire day. I said, hey, I played Master of Orion. This game just gets me to so many things. Excuse me. This game gets so many things right that it just baffles me how everybody wants to make Master of Orion 2 clones and not the original. Nowadays, just about everyone is using star lanes, while MOO gave you freedom to target any star in range. Most games want you to build a few of the biggest ships, while MOO uh, lets you lets you better, literally build thousands of tiny fighters. I am told there's an original MOO-inspired game out there, uh, Dominus Galaxia, and maybe the time has come for those great mechanics at last. Hmm. Okay, time for another top five. Top five genres I just don't get. Number five, first-person shooters. I'm actually a bit bit soft on this one since I've played the first area of Duke Nukem to the end, and I also am fond of saying a shooter is just a, su- a shooter unless it's a Jedi Knight. But for the most part, I just don't find it interesting. My son talked me into watching videos of, the, of gameplay of Bioshock Infinite, and while the game and story parts were interesting, every time he got into a shooting fight, I just got bored. Yeah, that's kind of how I am with first-person shooters nowadays. <clears throat> Number four, Robert, roguelikes. Uh, oh. I, played, <laughs> uh, I played some Ragnarok way back when, and I remember backing up the entire directory to be able to make a save game. Getting killed <laughs> easily. It's a good idea. Uh, getting killed easily and often is not my idea of a good time. Number three, Gearhead Sims. I'm talking about things like Falcon 4.0 or those helicopter sims where you have to use actual startup checklists to be able to start the engine. People who love these games are lovingly referred to as rivet counters because of how they will freak out if the number of rivets on the cowling is off. Just not my thing. <laughs> number two, fighting games. I played, a bit... <laughs> I played a bit of Karate Champ on the Commodore 64, and I didn't even like it then. Since then, I've passed by hundreds of uh, hundreds of games of Street Fighter, Tekken, or Marvel versus Capcom when I frequent arcades without a second glance. No idea why they're so popular. Uh, number one, crime sims. I guess I do try to be good in games, but some some games just don't cater to my character flaw. But some games don't cater to my character flaw. Okay, a couple of years ago, my son was waxing was waxing eloquent about how cool it was to play Payday, and I asked, "So what if I don't want to rob banks?" He was taken aback for a second and then said, well, then I guess you just don't play the game. That works for me. Games that allow you to rob banks are okay. Games that force you to rob banks are not, in my opinion. Okay, I think that catches me up in the top fives. I'm not going to get into the top moments of the year since I don't recall offhand. I'm going to go back and listen to all of them. I did like your episode 100, long though it was. Now let's talk about Giant Citizen Kabuto. 
I dithered whether, uh, excuse me, I dithered about whether I was just going to join you for the game of the quarter, and every time I looked at the game on GOG, I just didn't feel like it. Then I took the plunge for the Black Friday sale and installed it. Wow, this game is goofy and weird, but not as weirdly cool as, say, Sacrifice. The humor is kind of, hook for, kind of a hook for me, and I discovered that I'm, I'm really, really bad at this game. I just jumped in and played and died about 30 times in the second thing where you are trying to save the smarties that are dangling from the cliffs. <laughs> yep. So then I read the manual and looked up some tips and tricks at game FAQs and went back. I did a little bit better. 150 deaths later, I was on the sixth section of that first mission where Tell had joined me. And I started getting shot by someone I couldn't even see, so I quit. I'm out. Um, I can recognize... Were you going to say something? No, just... I, yeah, I don't really... I can see that for oh. sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is, this is with us. Um, I can recognize that it's pretty cool and goofy, and I would probably enjoy it if I could progress, but this game is too hard for me. I'll be interested in if anyone else made it to the point where they actually see Kabuto. <clears throat> well, that's it for me. I do tend to ramble, but you guys keep reading my letters, so I'll probably keep sending them. Still listening, Father Beast. Thank you, as always. Much appreciated. Yes. Thank you, as always. Um, is your uh, voice holding up pretty well? Uh, to an extent. Do you think you can take one more? Yeah, as long as it's not crazy long. That's kind of crazy long. Oh, Roberto, what are you doing to me? Is your voice that bad? I'll start it off. How about that? We'll see how. No, it goes. no, I can do it. I was just, I was just curious if you're having like it's, issues. It's, I think it's starting. I think I'm about to. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. This is from uh, Jonathan. Oh, never mind. I don't want to read it then. <laughs> Kidding. I'll just skip his this time. Kidding. By the way, real quick. Um. He was talking, uh, Dr. Beast, <laughs> Father Beast was talking about the lemonade stand game. Yeah. I have a pet peeve, which is places that sell lemonade that are quote lemonade, but it's really a pound of fucking sugar with a drop of lemon juice and some oh, yeah. water. Holy shit. Like there was, we were at something at a, um, it wasn't a concert, but it was like some sort of thing at a concert venue recently. Yeah. And they have like a lemonade stand placed there. And, you know, I kind of assumed it was probably going to be the same old, like just sugar type thing. But my daughter wanted one, so I got her one. And it was, you could barely even taste lemon in the damn thing. Jeez. And that reminded me of uh, Backyard Burgers because they're kind of, they're kind of known for their lemonade. Or a lot of people really like their lemonade. And one day, uh, my wife and I got on this like binge where we were looking, we were we were going to all these different fast food websites and looking at the nutritional information for yeah. all their stuff to see like what was really bad. And I pulled up their uh, lemonade to see how bad lemonade is from Backyard Burgers. Uh, and so I just pulled it up now just because I was curious. I want to refresh my memory. Now, now, granted, this is a pretty damn big lemonade. A thirty, if you get a large one, which is thirty-two ounces. That lemonade from Backyard Burgers has 780 calories. Oh my god, how many grams of sugar? 200. Holy shit. Do you know how much soda has in it? <laughs> like 40, so 40 or something, right? Yeah, like it's like 38 40, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, that's impressive. <laughs> that's that's for 32 ounces for 20 ounces, which I'm guessing is like a considered a medium maybe. Yeah. It's 490 right. calories. That's uh uh, 125 grams of sugar. Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry. I just got on that little tangent there. I th thought you'd like to hear about that. You know it, dog. All right. 
quit, 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 uh, quit your lollygagging, Jay. Read us. Oh, I didn't realize you had posted it. Read us Jonathan's. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan says, hello, gents. What a pleasant surprise having Chase the Night Cleaner on as a special guest last week. You all mashed together really well and should do it again soon. In fact, I think oh, Rob... That's the second person who said we should have him back on. Yeah, he's paying them. They already told me. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, in fact, I think Rob rubbed off on Chase, giggity. Before <laughs> yeah, I did. Nice, Jonathan. Before the show, because as soon as Chase started... The, the, the likes commenced. Oh, no. As, oh, that's funny. As soon as I heard them, I knew what I had to oh, do. Oh, no. <laughs> so I restarted the episode and began counting. I know no. it's been a while since I tormented Robert with this little bit, but all the more reason to bring it back. And don't worry, Jay. Uh, Jay committed plenty as well. It's always fun when you guys get excited while explaining mechanics and descriptions. The likes really start to fly. 341 <laughs> likes to be exact. That's more <laughs> likes than I've ever gotten. Jesus. Uh, Rob, kudos to your editing joke. I thought it was hilarious how you did the transition from top five to emails because of Chase's need to leave around the show. Um, at hour two, hour two, minute 23, second 21 for curious listeners. And Jay, it was cute that you emailed Chase. I was thinking about how I would have answered that. And I decided that if I could restart any game without knowing how fun or how disappointing it may be, Chrono Cross. Wow. Uh, the player count and the now annoying battle system are just enough to make me shudder when I think of playing this game again. But the music and convoluted storyline were fun the first time. Oh, well. I actually agree with that sentiment, to be honest with you. All right. The main event. Let's talk about Giant Citizens Kabuto. I figured out, I figured I kind of had to play this one since it was my vote that got us here. This game was very creative and super annoying. Also, the storyline is witty, and they make fun of themselves and their creations quite often, so you might catch yourself giving away a few chuckles. For those who did not participate, this was this was a first-person shooter that reminded me of a clunkier Halo. Wow. Third-person shooter. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. It was a th- third-person shooter, right? Um, at least at first. Disclaimer, I played this on the PS2. Um, I watched someone else play on YouTube when I got stuck about halfway through the game. And oh my, the PC version he was playing was so much cleaner, less blocky, and much more user-friendly. Oh, and this game doesn't have an autosave, so I found myself saving every time I beat a group of enemies. This is after dying several times and having to restart from the beginning of the level. I don't think can- the PC... Did you ever... I don't think the PC had a save... I actually don't know. I knew there. I, I saw that there was a PC version, but I, I don't know. Oh, you didn't play the PC version? No, I played the the PS2 version. Okay, yeah. On mine, unless I just <laughs> that might be why the graphics were better. It. By the way. Oh, probably so. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, actually. But uh, I was gonna say, like in my head, I'm like the graphics were not that good. But okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that probably makes a big difference. But also, I don't think unless I just I could have been just a dumbass and missed it, but. Whenever I died, yeah, I had to start over the whole level because I don't, I didn't know of a way to save in between levels, or at least I just never tried. But I may have just been missing out. Yeah, same. Uh, this is after dying several times and having to start from the beginning of the level. It became a beat five bad guys save the game, beat five bad guys save the game cycle. Anyway, you can start to space. You you start out in a spacesuit, having just crash landed. You are tasked with a mission to save a smarty, which is a small alien-looking creature. Enemies emerge from the ground and resemble something like a cross between Venus Flytrap and the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. (laughs) They shoot projectiles and occasionally move around underground. After you rescue the little guy, you're rewarded with a jetpack and given a mission that almost had me quit the game. You are tasked with saving four other Smarties using your jetpack. The catch is that they are hanging for dear life above above a pit of hungry piranhas. 
So in essence, you must hurry to the island where you try to maneuver this god-awful jetpack mechanic to, to pinpoint towards a dangling creature four times before they fall to their death. Side note, if you fall in the water, the piranhas will eat you. Yeah, I brought that up. Uh, and and they eat the shit out of you. Yep, there we go. <laughs> These fucking fish are some of the deadliest monsters in the game. Yep. Uh, the mission is set up that if you accomplish getting all four to safety, then you get a prize. What it doesn't tell you is that when one of them one falls and dies, another respawns in its place. But you don't know that. So you're trying to do your darndest to save the four before they die, and often dying while doing, while doing it. it. Took me about six tries or so, and here's the fun fact. Every time you touch the water, the piranhas will come get you, no matter what. Yeah. Yep, it's brutal. Then you're given a gun. In fact, the levels are set up uh, so that when you beat something, you get a new toy. This mechanic works really well to bait players into wanting to continue the game just to see how cool the weapons or power can really get. As a space marine guy, you get better guns and rocket launchers and whatnot to take down enemy bases. Oh yeah, there are other enemies that walk around and have guns too. And towers. The characters work as a long-range mechanic. Uh, the character works as a long-range mechanic. The sniper rifle and cannon are quite fun. What wasn't fun was trying to dodge snipers when you have a pistol and you're on an open field. Oh, gosh, yeah, I remember that. Another element that could have been improved is the health bar. To restore health when hit, you need a health syringe. And these, along with ammo and abilities, are given out at shops. However, there's usually only one shop on the map, so you have to be super careful until you get to it. And then you find yourself going back to it, no kidding, sometimes 30 times in a level. This is because... <laughs> This is because a random enemy that you didn't know that was there one-shotted you from a green green health down to red, and you run back to the shop hoping you don't get fucking owned on the way. <laughs> oh, and because you can only carry one syringe at a time, now let me explain this. They will give you an infinite amount of syringes, but you can only carry one from the shop. So if you're fatally injured, you find a shop, get a syringe, use it. Great. Now you have one-third life. Go back to the shop, pick up a syringe, exit, and use it. Now you have two-thirds life. Go back to the shop, pick up a syringe, exit, use it. Full life. Oh, but go back in and get another one from when the next random bullet hits you. You will do this dozens, if not hundreds of times. Here's another fun, a funny tidbit. If you find a syringe in the world map, you can keep it. They stack, meaning you can have two, three, or four, however many you find, but you can only get one from the shop. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, eventually, Damn. You get I know that's. That I never, so I never did all that. I definitely did not either. I just died and kept trying it over and over and over. Yeah, same here. Like a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, eventually, you get badass enough that you maybe you only have to visit the shop five or ten times in a level. Oh, and then there is this base building level. This was kind of fun, but they had to fuck it up too, right? So you have a leader, Smarty, that you have to protect. If he gets kidnapped and taken to the enemy base, you lose automatically. You are also required to round up lost Smarties, Smarties scattered throughout the level and bring them to the base so that they will build walls buildings, uh, walls and buildings, etc. for you. In addition, you have to bring them food to keep them going. Food is harvested from some enemies and strange ostrich-like creatures that only exist on the map to die for you. They populate certain areas and regenerate when you kill them. Kill them all. However, they don't regenerate if one is alive. So make sure you kill every single one of them, even if you don't need the souls, because they take a while to regenerate. All this is okay, except that every time you leave your base for more than two minutes, the leader gets kidnapped. So then you have to rush back to try and save him before it jeopardizes the entire mission. This repeating process makes a 20-minute level take an hour. But again, you have, to, you, ha uh, you have all the guns and power-ups and finally getting to be really fun. Then the game decides to switch. Now, is, now you play as the Banshee character. You've encountered them, encountered them before in battle. They were the annoying characters that kept jumping around and slowing you down while you made while, 
while you made the shop a base and try just tried to stay alive. So while it's annoying that you can't beat a Space Marine player that you just leveled up for 10 hours, at least the character that it is is pretty cool. This character doesn't equip guns, but instead, instead has magical powers and can, re, re, can refill its health by swimming. This is, your, this is a welcome feature that has you searching for water rather than shops for health. Also, it fills up your mana and piranhas don't attack this character. This character is ultimately more fun than the Space Marine and has abilities to, that outweigh his. Some are shooting hail from opponents uh, from above, uh, fireballs, or a devastating tornado attack. She also has the, a cheap ability when doing the town building levels. As you might recall, food is required to keep the Smarties working. Well, in her case, she gives them souls, or in other words, her mana pool. This is obtained like food by killing enemies and the bird creatures. But remember how she can refill her mana by sitting in water? This became a quick cheat for me once I figured it out. After beating her levels, the game decides to switch again. This time, you are a 10-story monster called a Kabuto. This, in, in this reality, the Smarties are evil, and you grow bigger by eating them. You also regain health by re eating enemies. But the shops are gone. Honestly, this is not a fair trade. I explicitly remember being a giant monster and hiding behind some rocks until the bird-like creature would spawn enough to regain some health. And here I am, a colossal giant able to devour my opponents, cowering in fear of a pistol that would reduce my life to nothing. This game kind of dragged on, and then there was a racing level. What? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> it actually it actually broke up the monotony pretty well. I enjoyed the first one and tolerated the second <laughs> one. The third one was boring and the fourth was a torture. Golly, was... four racing levels? Yeah, this game's nutty. What's worse, you had to get first place and everyone else is faster than you. <laughs> you get missiles and turbo, which definitely help, but it's an unbalanced either way. The last level took about six or seven tries and again almost had me say, fuck it. And then... What's more annoying, when you return to, to the controlling the monster levels, they stack them so that you are still outmatched even though you are a fucking legendary giant. So finally you make it to level with the end boss. You're a giant, he's a giant, the final showdown. Well, I touched him once, and, the, and due to some spoiler stuff, I am no longer a giant. Great. Now I'm a space marine again. <laughs> I wanted to be for eight hours. Now I don't <laughs> want to be a little fucking giant. Uh, excuse me. Now I don't want to be a little fucking guy, or excuse me, a little guy fighting a giant. <laughs> struggling uh this boss battle tested me honestly i wasn't worried about beating it after a dozen or so losses i said i don't really care but somehow i glitched the game and got him to jump outside the door that was keeping me in in the first in, in the first place uh so he was stuck outside of the arena and i unloaded my arsenal through the crack of the door whatever a cheesy win for a cheesy boss i was going to give this game a 7 out of 10 but after typing all of this i'm going to go with a 5 out of 10 although the pc version looks like a 7 Guess I'll go back to Don Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze and Smash Brothers. Nice. Uh, top five games I played in 2018. This list is a little skewed since I got got a Switch this year. Oh, hold on, real quick, real quick. Thank you for the rundown of basically the entire game, Jonathan. Yeah, I think I'm we should invest more time in this. Holy shit! We should have just read his email instead of you and me talking about it. Jesus, that game. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm glad that like. Nobody was like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, oh, basically yeah. everybody seemed to agree with us. I was like, yeah, this had some good, it has some good elements, but no, it's not really good game. I agree entirely, Roberto. All right. All right. How are you? You want me to wrap this up or you got it? I got it. Okay. Um, top five games I played in 2018. This list is a little skewed since I got the Switch this year, but what the hey. Number five, Super Mario Party. Had a great time with, with relatives playing through this. Jay should get a Switch. Wow, 
Interesting. Interesting Damn. strategy. Uh, one step ahead of you. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Like always, right? Am I right? <laughs> Number four, Hollow Knight. This game is more magical than most. Best Metroidvania since Metroid and Castlevania. Hey, Jay, you would like this. Yeah, I've actually been recommended this game by a lot of my close friends, and I may end up picking it up in the future, just kind of pacing myself right now. Uh, number three, Super Mario Odyssey. What a fun game. Jay, you play it yet? Yes, I have played it. I am like three or four hours in. I'll be honest with you, I've spent like 90% of my time with my Switch playing Smash, at least. Uh, I played a little bit of Super Mario Odyssey, and I'm enjoying it very much so far. Uh, number two, Octopath Traveler, 80 hours in, still going, dot, 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 Jay. Yeah, actually, one of my friends is playing this right now, and he suggested, I've had um, differing opinions on this. Some people have said they really hate it. Other people have said they're super enjoying it. It seems like my style of game, because it's it's a JRPG. You have random encounters. There's some pretty, I heard the story is really good. Um, I heard the character development's really good. So I more than likely will play this as well, but just kind of depends on money, because there's another another expensive title he and, um i i, I was really I've, I've really been thinking about possibly getting this but when he says 80 hours in and still going that kind of scares well me. i think it's it's a jrpg where you can invest extra time if you want to but you don't have to in order to to beat it i think it's one of those okay things. like there's a lot okay. of stuff to do i could be wrong but uh number one legend of zelda breath of the wild J. Uh, yeah, I've, I actually have played this. I played this for the Wii U version. Um, I invested probably 20 or 30 hours in this. This game is unbelievably fun. I'm really pissed that I bought it for the Wii U because now that I have Switch, I have to buy it again, and it will probably happen, but I enjoyed <laughs> the crap out of this game for the amount of time that I put into this. Uh, but thank you for the list. Thank you for the rundown on Giant Citizens Caputo. And Jonathan closes out by saying, Whew, that was a long one. See you next year. Oh, and happy, have a happy slash safe holiday thank oh, you thanks you too. jonathan we will all right next one we got three more next one I, I think these are a little bit shorter uh from what i can tell yeah a little bit next one is from bo bo says would like to start by asking if y'all have seen or heard this track by channel awesome slash nostalgia critic it's a rather upbeat christmasy tune makes more sense if you see the whole episode that ends with it but a good video on its own can check out before or during up to you. Definitely not safe for work for those who need to mind that. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll send this to Jay. We can, we'll, we'll check this yeah. out, but I'm probably not going to do it right now on the podcast. <clears throat> Have you heard of this before? No, I don't okay. know what this is. Okay. Um, thank you, Bo. Uh, yeah, thank he you. says, he says top threes, I guess is what are we doing this week? Right. Okay. Top three best games this year. Okay. Here we go. Top three best games this year that I haven't played before. He says all SNES. Actraiser, Brain Lord, and Dragon View. All great RPGs slash ARPGs I've been meaning to play and get a and and got a chance to while I had not while I had no internet for about a month and a half this year. Would recommend anyone to play through them if they've got the time. None are too long, but they're all a great experience. Honorable mentions, since I haven't finished them yet, but would be in the running. But would be in the running so far: Mystic Arc and Dragon Quest V. Top three games this year I have never played before: Dragon Warrior One through Four NES, Breath of Fire One and Two SNES, and Shadowrun on SNES. Hmm. All are games I know I liked and got the chance to replay them all this year somehow. RPG heavy, but that's me into RPGs and heavy. Would recommend anyone to anyone who likes the genre and hasn't played them before. 
Honorable mention here too of Seventh Saga. I love this game and it wasn't and if it wasn't for a mandatory grind of 30 extra levels to finish the other to finish the last otherwise five minutes of the game, it'd be in the top three. Top three worst games played this year. One, let's just put all the bad NES titles here. I played about 50 of them this year and I don't remember them wow. all too well as they sucked and were purged for my brain meats. <clears throat> Two, um, I believe this is called East. Uh, it's, pre- it's, I think it's pronounced East. It's, it's a uh, Y apostrophe S. Um, in fact, I don't know if there's actually an apostrophe in this game, unless it's a different game. I think it's just Y S is how it's spelled. Anyways, <clears throat> whatever this game is, he writes the first one, good model, good series by might as well, by might as well be playing Hydlide. Okay. Number three, Shadowrun for Genesis. To my surprise, actually heard some people saying this was the better of the two of this and the SNES version. I don't see it. Fugly, messy, ooh. I never did get to pick up the game of the quarter. Maybe the next one. Last slash only question of the day. If you had to live the day-to-day life of an NES character, villain, or protagonist, who would it be? Oh, man. NES. Uh, There's too many to choose from. Bowser seems to have an interesting life. Man, it's funny. I was thinking Luigi. It's so funny we're thinking in the same universe. (laughs) Luigi's got like, he doesn't have to do any of the work. Why would you pick Luigi? Because he doesn't have to do any of the work that Mario has to do and he gets a bunch of fucking credit for it and he's super famous. No, he doesn't get any credit. Nobody likes him. I love Luigi. Go fuck yourself. You're the only person. Listen, I grew up playing Luigi as the younger brother. Don't don't bash on Luigi. We'll have a problem. I think that's exactly. I think you just you just proved my point just right there. Love me some Luigi. Uh, who would I pick, man? That's a tough one. There's a lot of really great characters. Bowser has so much more fun than Luigi. He goes like gets he like just gets babes. Yeah, never gets away with it and gets stopped by a plumber. He gets away with it for like a few hours until. Mario comes and saves him. If I could, what was the what was the, what was the premise again? Or the prompt? Come on. Bowser. What prompt? Oh my God! Read the prompt. Oh, I sit here. Oh, oh no, question. it's not here. Um, Do you read the what prompt? If you had to live the day-to-day life of an NES His character, question. Who would it be? Uh, another one would be the kid from A Boy in His Blob, because that would be fun to have a blob pet follow you around, and when you feed him jelly beans, he turns into different things. This is a tough one for me. Okay. Well, if you think of one, know. let us know. Yeah, let I'll us, think about it. But it's not that's, Luigi. That's There's just... Fuck yourself. There's <laughs> a lot of really interesting characters that we obviously have a big fan of, so it's hard to think like what the day-to-day life would be. I feel like the day-to-day life for a lot of characters would be really boring. You know, like outside of their main adventure. Outside of Bowser. Maybe Ness. Ness's world is just so funny. I love the the comical aspects of that world and just the ridiculousness of it. But that is really serious, though. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of a dire situation. Also, how, this he's asking NES, so how's his mother was? Oh, NES. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that portion of it. Well, I'm sure he doesn't care if we if we step out of the bounds a little bit. That's true. Um. He says, Happy New Year's, good good riddance to the bad stuff of 2018, and here's hoping 2019 is brighter. Bo. Thank you, Bo. Jay, would you mind reading this one from our friend Chase, the Night Cleaner? 
Yeah. Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase, the night cleaner here, laying down the last email of 2018. Another year full of great new and classic games to play. Tried my hand at Giant Citizens Caputo and got exactly five minutes in before I had to do something else and forgot to come back to it. For the record, I love the developer, Shiny, and really want to give this game a proper go, but there were so many other things I had to do and play this season. Also, sorry I had to bounce early last episode. Had lots of fun being a part of the show. Thanks for having me. Am I an honorary member of the Classic Gaming Royalty now? Uh, I think that's three episodes before you get that, right, Robert? Yeah, that's Isn't exactly that correct, to? yeah. Okay. In all, in all seriousness, but thank you for coming on. It was, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, have me on again sometime, and I will answer the question of the craziest slash most disgusting things I saw working at, at midnights, working midnights at university. Oh, wow, nice. I have a couple doozies. Now for the question of the day. What is the absolute worst Christmas gift you have ever gotten? Ooh. Huh. That's a good one. You know, I don't really think I've ever gotten an actually bad Christmas gift. I've heard plenty of horror stories from, like, friends and stuff. But I've never had, like, just something fucking terrible, you know? I've gotten things where I, I, I didn't want it, and it wasn't something that I needed. A lot of times it was, like, really, uh, it was, like, decorative type stuff. Like, when I was when I was a teenager people would get me like decorative stuff from my room and it was stuff that I would never put up in, in my, if I had a choice. Right. And so what yeah, I would yeah. do with it is I would, I'd set it up for like a week. Right. And then after that, I would just put it in my closet for like a year and then throw it away. Yeah. I got, I got a good amount of that kind of stuff, but I never got a gift that was like appalling to where I was like offended or just like completely frustrated. Like, that was what probably the, the fuck worst. Is this? I will say on numerous occasions, I expressed that I don't need stuff like that and not to get me that kind of stuff. And then they'd be like, yep, yep, yep. And then I'd still get some. Like, I've heard of friends who, like, have, like, legitimately senile relatives who give them, like, you know, like, a bag of six pennies or, like, like, there was this one guy that went to high school. He wasn't really a friend, but this one person I knew in high school, his grandmother gave him, like, adult diapers for Christmas one year. Whoa. Someday Um, he'll be thanking her. Um, yeah, I've never really actually gotten anything actually bad. You know, I've gotten stuff that I didn't necessarily care about, but, um, this, this isn't really what he's asking, but one kind of funny story that, uh, that happened one year and it wasn't to me, this was like 10 years ago is, um, my, my, uh, mother-in-law got my, um, wife's sister's husband well she, she got I, I guess i'm sorry i take it back she got my wife's sister and her husband like some baby clothes because they were just about to have a kid or something like or like maybe this was his first year regardless she got them some baby clothes <laughs> so it was like this pack it was like in a bag it was like you know in a gift bag as opposed to a box and she put like the baby clothes in there and they were opening it <laughs> and like oh apparently apparently when um she was like wrapping up the baby clothes. She just like threw it on the bed with like some laundry and stuff. So there was like a pair of her own underwear mixed in with the baby clothes, like as he's opening it in front of everybody. So that was kind of ridiculous. But no, I can't say I've personally ever got anything like, you know, notably bad. Well, Chase has. He says, I once got a box of chocolate that was covered in dust and had been chewed on by mice. It was in a gift bag. <laughs> And there was mouse poop in the bag. 
Thanks, Mom. That was two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. So yeah, thank you so much for this gift of a show. Keep doing what you, you love and have a great holiday. Cheers, Chase the Night Cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, sir. And thank you for again for coming on. Last one is from Jeffrey. He says, uh, oh, how I have missed you guys in these precious communications we share. I have such a backlog of thoughts that I can hardly organize my thoughts. And you may not even remember discussing these subjects on the pod. I was so cathartic. It was so cathartic to hear Rob discuss Ghostbusters for the NES a while back and how poorly designed it was. Wow, that was like a long time ago, I think. As a child, the game felt impenetrable to me. And I kept feeling like I was missing something essential that should be obvious to me. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. On the subject of the PS1 Classic, I would like I would have liked to have seen Swickenden 2. Uh, yeah, that would have been a good one. Chocobo's Dungeon 2. Oh, yeah. Valkyrie Profile. Mega Man Legends. And as others have mentioned, Castlevania Symphony of the Night was an absolute essential inclusion. I'm a little surprised neither of you have played it. Yeah, I haven't played much Castlevania. I played a few of the Game Boy Advance ones. I played the NES one a little bit and the Super Nintendo one even less surprisingly, but yeah, I haven't played a ton of Castlevania in my time. I played a little bit in my time as well. It is, but at the time there really had been nothing else like it. It was a bit like GTA three for 2d exploration in the sense of how innovative and groundbreaking it was. I remember so, renting them a bunch of times. Hmm. I'm blockbuster. Speaking of at the time, I really do feel like I have to stand up for Seaman. Okay. I want to hear this. It, it is definitely dated and I'm sure it would bore the hell out of anyone now, but it came out back when people generally had more time slash patience with the entertainment and wanted to get their money's worth out of a game. Also pre-internet connectivity. You could just manipulate the clock on your system 24 hours forward to see what happens next. Uh, as a teenager, I was I was way into all of the pseudo-intellectual bullshit the grown seaman spewed, but I guess Rob never made it that far. No, I never got to hear any of that stuff. I also uh, don't remember... I really want to know who this pseudo-intellectual bullshit is. I also don't remember having any issues with figuring out gameplay at the time, but I would just con- contribute that to my intelligence and gaming prowess dwarfing Rob's. <laughs> Very nice. The simple act of conversing with a game, limited as it was really exceeded what I thought a game was capable of uh, back then. Again, I'm sure it sucks now, but in its time, I was quite taken with it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, and what, as a side note, he talked about like moving the clock forward to you know advance it so you can keep playing. Um, that reminds me of one annoying thing I had to deal with, and this is not the game's fault at all, but the uh, the Dreamcast has a battery in it that is uh, what powers the clock that keeps track of what date and time it is. And so as you can imagine, uh, Dreamcasts that you're buying now, unless they've had the battery replaced, they're unable to keep track of the time. So on my Dreamcast, for instance, every single time I turn it on, it asks me for the date and time. Now, normally I just skip it and say, yeah, it's by default. It's like January 1st, uh, 1997 or something like that. So, you know, normally when I launch, when I turn it on and it, it comes up, ask me for the time, I just say, yeah, that's what, that's what, that's, that's the, that's today's date. So I don't have to manually put it in. But for Seaman, since it actually pays attention to that, you can't do that because it, like the game basically won't work. So I had to actually remember, I, and I didn't realize this until I had actually played it a little bit. So I had to remember like what date it was that it said the first time. And then like, I had to kind of keep track of that in my head. So every time 
I turned it on to play it the next day. I had to remember what the last day was and tell it that it was the next day on that when I turned on the Dreamcast. So that was a bit of a bitch. But again, that wasn't the game's fault. Uh, Jeffrey says, I'm sure you have plenty of emails and that they have already covered Giants Citizen Kabuto sufficiently. Yep. So I will keep it brief. Controls suck. It won't let me invert the Y-axis. Graphics are terrible. Fuck the jetpack. Pilot Wings came out how many years before and did it better? <laughs> and overall, I just don't think that any early console FPS ages well. Halo came... Was, was, this was... He's the second person to call this a first-person shooter. Was the PS2 version, like, first-person, and I just didn't know that? You said it was third-person for you, right? I thought it was. Let me double-check. I still have it open. Hold on a sec. Yes, no, yeah, I pull, I just pulled up a screenshot. Maybe, maybe there's a, maybe you can like switch back and forth or something. Is there a way to switch the first person? Possibly. Yeah, was... possibly. I was gonna say if I missed that the whole time, like holy shit, I'm. I need to get and, my brain checked. Anyway, um, Halo came out less than a year after this game, so I don't think I could even give it credit for its time. Wow, they tried to be funny, but it was mostly pretty cheesy. Damn. Overall, I the humor was at least decent. Overall trash. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Holy shit, laying it down. Thanks for another year, and here's to 20 more later, Jeffrey. 20. In 20 years, we're going to have to change our criteria for what makes a classic game. We're going to be like, true. I remember playing Super Smash Brothers for yeah. Switch. <laughs> yeah. All right. That wraps up our episode. Uh, I don't have anything for the current gaming subcast, which is probably good because we're yeah, we're, for a while. How we're about just you? over three hours. Um, playing the Switch, loving it. Loving Odyssey, loving Smash. Going to definitely invest a lot more time into it. Um, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, it's just a great system. It's definitely worth the money. Though it's a lot of money, it's definitely worth it, especially with a lot of the titles we talked about coming out in 2019. So... Very excited about that, and hopefully I'm going to get some more games for it for Christmas, but we shall see. I love the way Super Mario Odyssey ends. Have you seen the ending? No, no, I have not seen any of it. I've seen people speedrun it a little bit, but I haven't watched like a full run. Oh, yeah, the ending is so neat, and it's, okay. it's got really kind of a funny part at the end. <sighs> yeah, I'm excited to play through it. It looks really fun. Lisa's really enjoying it, too. Oh, have you all been doing co-op at all? No. Is it good? Uh, it's okay. Not really. One person mm. controls Cappy and the other controls Mario. Mm. That's about all there is to it. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Like it was fun for me playing with my daughter. Cause she didn't have to like worry about platforming and stuff. She yep. could just like whip the hat around, you know? Um, but if you're looking for more than that, then yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's probably not great, but there is the, um, version now where you can play like hide where you like hide the balloons or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Have you done that at all? I never ended up. No, I have not. I've only played the main story so far. Like I said, I've, I've spent a lot more time playing Smash than I have uh, than Mario Odyssey so far. How many characters have you unlocked? Ooh, probably. I think I'm up to like twenty or twenty-five. So I probably unlocked like twelve. They un- they unlocked pretty fast, right? Yeah, every ten minutes of gameplay, from what I read, you will get the opportunity to unlock another character. Okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to us all year long. For another wonderful year. Holy crap, Robert. We've been doing this for a while now. We've been doing it for a while and still uh, still just as... Handsome. Could, Wait, could, shit. Yeah, that's good. I was trying to think of a way to compliment us effusively, but you nailed it and there I didn't. You um, get it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will... Um, our next top five 
uh, it will be the uh, our our New Year's gaming resolutions. The 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 games that we are going to try to play uh, next year. And aside from that, we will also go ahead and start choosing our um, game of the quarter on the next. Oh, episode. that's right. So we'll be giving that some thought, and we'll 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 start taking care of that. Um, aside from that. It'll help us out a lot if you can tell some of your friends to listen to us, to check us out. Give us some reviews on iTunes. Send us emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Follow us at classgamescast. You can follow me. I am at King Octavius. We will be back sometime in January. I hope everybody has a fantastic rest of the year. A great Christmas. Whatever other, whatever other crazy holidays you might be partaking in. I hope it's good. Yep. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys in a little more. Bye-bye.